This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. TGIF, everybody. What's going on? It is Friday. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily and welcome to one of the best sports weekends of the year. Great to have you with us, Andrew Patterson, along with Michael Remus. And we got a great show coming up today. Uh, an incredible sports evening last night. Baseball, football, some incredible tennis. We'll get to all that coming up in just a second. And then we'll tee up tomorrow's banjo ball between the Bombers and Riders with Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com. And then get ready for week one in the National Football League and discuss the big win by the Buccaneers last night over the Dallas Cowboys in one hell of a Thursday nighter with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. But the fun will not stop there. I've been talking all week about maybe doing a little something on Burger Week. We have the perfect guest to discuss uh, the burgers that are uh, taking over our city right now. Uh, Kyra Fanning from uh, Little Brown Jug. It also does Burgers on the Brain Instagram. And by my count, just uh, hit burger number 48. You heard that correctly. 48 for the week so far. So, uh, We'll go to the experts and find out some of the best burgers and the best spots in and around the city that have been participating in Burger Week. And then to finish up the program, our friends from Canadian Club have allowed us to pick something off the top shelf. We are giving away the Canadian Club Chronicles 42-year-old whiskey today in a marble race. Uh, we uh, picked a number of entries from everyone that went on to the, our Sports Talk Winnipeg Instagram page. Thanks, everyone, that, uh, that got it in. Uh, 42 years, 42 finalists, 42 marbles. That's at the end of today's show. Shout out to everybody that is in chat right now. Great to see everyone rolling up, ready to go for this weekend. And uh, by the way, speaking of the weekend, I know I mentioned this in the last couple shows, but if you missed it tonight, 7 p.m., Boston Pizza City Place, myself, Dustin Nielsen, and Chris Abbott from Cool Bat are getting together live together for the first time. We're going to bang out a lock shop at BP. Uh, we're kind of making a bit of a meetup. So uh, if you have an open couple hours tonight, why don't you pop by and uh, hang out with us at Boston Pizza City Place. Would love to meet so many of you that uh, join us every day on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Shout out to all of our sponsors who make this happen every day. Manitoba Battery, Little Brown Jug, Royal Sports. Canadian Club, Not Auto Corp, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, and Cool Bet Canada. Let's get it going and welcome in Michael Remus to the festivities. Remo, what's going on? How are you today, my friend? I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm a bit sore. I had my first uh, hockey game in like 11 months yesterday. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, was, How are you was, feeling? Was a bit rusty. Was a bit rusty. Yeah, pretty good. It's not the legs as much. It's just like after 15 minutes, I I can't even go anymore. I'm like out of breath. It's it's not it's not an ideal situation. I was playing like two three times a week a year ago, and now I'm like stop stop for a year. So uh, I know how that. You know, we were joking. It's like when the riders came back at training camp, and like immediately five guys had like busted Achilles. Uh, I was kind of <laughs> I was kind of worried. I was kind of worried, but I'm good. But yeah, great to be here. Great weekend coming up. It was a solid uh, evening of sports yesterday. It was crazy. Like what? What were you watching last night around seven p.m.? Were you watching the tennis? Were you watching the Blue Jays? Were you watching Sunday night or some Thursday night football or 
the debate. Us people were like, "Well, what about this awesome debate going on? Were you watching debate? that?" Yeah, Who there was, was debating Canada. I don't know. People trying to be the leader of the Canadian government. I think. Really? Was yeah. not aware that that's going on right now? That there's an election or what? There's a, I think there's an election coming up. Yeah, uh, the 20th, actually. They I weren't got... just arguing about vaccines or anything like that? God, uh, sorry. Didn't mean to bring it up. Um... <laughs> Didn't mean to bring up ban topic on the program. <laughs> just kidding. Of course, I know that there is an election oh, going on. You had me but... for a second, Hus. You had me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought maybe you were just so focused on football. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't have a lot of time for many of the folks that are uh, that are running. But anyways, the last thing anyone wants to talk about is politics. Uh, and yeah, no, I did not see one second of the debate last night. And I'm glad because I was watching some absolutely riveting, incredible sports action. Now, everyone knows I fired up, got together with the boys at one of the bars down the street to watch the game. And. You know, we got the sound on, you know, the football games on most of the televisions. And then there was one of the screens that had the tennis on. And as the match continued, 80% of the people in the bar were focused on the one small screen with Leila Fernandez doing what she has done. And another upset, she takes down number two seed, Arena Sabalenka, and is now in the U.S. Open final. And what's even more incredible is after that, Emma Raducanu, 18-year-old, uh, born in Toronto, playing out of Great Britain in London, took out uh, Maria Sakari, who was you know, incredible through this tournament. Uh, and now we have an 18-year-old versus a 19-year-old, who, by the way, turned 19 two or three days ago, in the first ever matchup in the Open era of two unseeded players in the final of either a men's or a women's Grand Slam. Um, you know, this entire run for Leilani Fernandez has been absolutely incredible. We've been talking about it all week. I mean, really dating back to last Friday with the epic win over Naomi Osaka, at which point she sort of really burst onto the scene and certainly captured a lot of hearts in Canada. But the entire city of New York uh, is behind her and then just kept on rolling. And, you know, you know, usually you expect young players at some point to sort of hit a wall, especially against such, you know, highly ranked. I mean, she's taken out the number three, the number five and the number two seed over the course of the last week. Oh, and don't forget former number one, Angelique Kerber, who was the 16th seed. But the way that she responds to adversity um, bounces back, comes back from 40 love in some games or down love 40 to, to win. Uh, it, it's just it's been one of the most incredible runs I can remember, regardless of sport. And Remus, uh, you know, she was not a household name a couple weeks ago. I don't think there's any doubt that Leilani Fernandez is absolutely becoming one of the great Canadian sports stars, at least right now. Everyone coast to coast is talking about this young woman. And tomorrow afternoon, mm -hmm. while many of us will be at the Banjo Bowl, I would suggest maybe set the PVR because... That is going to be some must-watch stuff. One win away from a Grand Slam coming in as the 73rd ranked player in the world. It's uh, some storybook stuff. Yeah, 3.20 p.m. So the uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, your TV, this is the time of year where your TV needs a workout. I mean, I, I joked, uh, so I'm like, NFL, I don't care about the NFL kickoff. I'm watching the U.S. Open, but I mean, I could have a tablet or a computer easily. You changed the channel as soon as Ed Sheeran yeah. was over. Basically, you're probably spending time ordering that hot, the merch drop that just uh, just came in. This I, year in NFL jersey. I would get one um, just for the jokes. So I'm not above that. Um, 
I would get that. But I mean, the tennis was uh, was incredible. Uh, the way that she's been frustrating her opponents. I mean, she's playing all these top players. And I mean, how many smashed rackets uh, has she induced? Uh, 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 yesterday, uh, I mean, she started slapping herself after points. Um, that last game had two double faults, and I think there was a double fault as well in the tiebreaker of yes. the first of the first set. It's all blended, but there was one point where she was up. I think Fernandez was up four two. And uh, Sabalenka came back and tied a 4-4. But, I mean, she doesn't get rattled. She doesn't unravel. She's very mentally strong. I mean, some of these rallies where you think there's no way she should be even <laughs> staying in, the, staying in the, the, I guess, rally. She battles back and even wins some of these crazy points running around from, you know, side to side. Um, it's incredible to watch. And, I mean, you do get emotional. And Mark Masters had an interview with her dad on the TSN Twitter. I saw a clip. I mean... Asked him what it means to represent Canada, and he started, you know, took him a while to get his thoughts together because he was so emotional. And I was watching with my wife, and, I mean, she's getting emotional, you know, seeing how uh, composed and how well-spoken Layla Fernandez is after she wins. It's, I mean, uh, it's very captivating. And it was a John Horn mentioning Lou Marsh. I, I mean, she has to be in the conversation, I think, if she wins. I know there's Listen. a lot of great guys at the, you know, great men and women at, who were in the Olympics. But, I mean, this is... This is what a story this is. And she's got the whole crowd behind her as well. It seems like everyone's packed house there at Arthur well, Ashe. The thing that is just so, um, I don't know where it's enthralling as a fan to watch this is not only what she's able to do against higher ranked players, bigger, stronger players, uh, is the fact that she fights through all of this adversity, somehow comes out, and every time she wins a rally, She's fist pumping and, and it doesn't come across as a cocky way or rubbing it into an op her opponent at all. But she is she's feeding off the energy that she's creating in this crowd. And as we said, going back to last last Friday, when she was going up against one of the most popular and you know, most decorated players in, in the world in Naomi Osaka. By the end of that match, she had the New York audience eating out of the palm of her hand. And it has not stopped literally from that match through the Kerber match, the Svitolina match, and now last night's semifinal. And it's going to be fascinating because I, you know, I haven't watched a lot of Raducanu, but I did see some of the semi last night. And in some ways, it's sort of the same thing. I mean, she's an unseated player. I believe she was in the qualifying. Uh, so like she wasn't even in the main draw. She qualified and got there. But their path to getting here was very different. I mean, Layla Andy Fernandez has knocked off, as they said, three of the top five players in the world. Uh, they're both making history. And uh, tomorrow afternoon in New York City, out in Queens, it'll be Layla Andy Fernandez and Emma Raducanu for the U.S. Open Championship. And I'll have to ask Chris Abbott tonight uh, when we get together for the lock shop to find out what the numbers were on those two players uh, before the tournament. And I'd imagine Raducanu might be a bit higher because she did have a great run at Wimbledon uh, before she actually had to, had to you know, forfeit a match due to having some breathing problems. Uh, and I lately, I, I mean, I don't know what she's, 300 to 1, 500 to 1, 1,000 to 1. Uh, I don't know. Well, we'll ask Chris tonight when mm. uh, we get together down at BP to do the lock shop. So anyways, that really, to me, is the big story of sports here in Canada right now. Um, but as we said, there was much more than just the tennis match last night. Um, we're going to get to the NFL with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton a little bit later on. We'll talk more about last night's game in a sec. Uh, but how about them Blue Jays?
a sweep of the New York Yankees remiss. They're now a half game out of a wild card spot. Uh, just a week after thinking that they were going to have to, you know, put something special together. Well, that's exactly what they've done ever since last Friday's ridiculous six-run comeback from 8-2 down in the eighth inning. And uh, and now the Jays are the hottest team in baseball, steamrolling their opponents. The Yankees are struggling. The Red Sox are reeling. And, uh, I mean, the entire narrative around the Toronto Blue Jays right now is completely different. And, oh, by the way, here come the free spot on the bingo card the Baltimore Orioles for a four-game series beginning this week. Yeah, here's the standings. Jays, eight-game win streak, nine and one in their last ten. And there's the Yankees, two and eight. Boston, uh, I mean, they're five and five in their last ten. They've had some COVID issues. I know Chris Sale uh, now now out as well. So that's more lingering stuff there. I mean, the Blue Jays are, are an amazing spot uh, with Baltimore coming up, who's three... 35% uh, winning percentage, 0.324, minus 235 run differential. And this is what we've been looking at all year, is this Blue Jays uh, run differential. Uh, plus 145, <laughs> you knew the wins would come, and here they are. And if you look at the standings, Leapfrog, Seattle, who I would, even, uh, I'm a fan of Seattle, but I never I never bought them as a playoff team. Um, they've gone over Oakland, and there they are, 0.5 games back of the Yankees. And... A couple back uh, of Boston, so and they now they've also beat the Yankees in the season series. So if they do finish tied, the game would be at the Rogers Center. Uh, that is the tiebreaker. So that's I mean that's another thing. But they're looking to keep it going. And who else, what better opponent to play than against Baltimore? And you have your ace on the mound tonight in Robbie Ray. Uh, Blue Jays. I, I was it was a week ago or two weeks. We talked to Andrew Stone. We're like, oh, they're they're done. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna put us together. There's no chance. Uh, they're, what a lost what a lost season. They made these trades. I mean, they're gonna lose uh, Simeon and or could could lose Simeon and Ray and not even get in the playoffs. But I mean, it's, it's totally uh, flipped over the perception of the Jays right now. Well, it has. I mean, we said there was 30 games remaining in the season, and the Jays had 70 wins. And I remember saying in this program, listen, they're going to need to win at least 20 games. I mean, it's hard to imagine getting mm-hmm. into a, one of those two spots without getting at least to 90 wins. I don't think they've lost since we had that conversation. So, I mean, the Jays right now, absolutely on fire. And cool bet, I did see a, a tweet. I haven't located it. Um, but we'll find it on, on the site when we do the lines later on. There's a special prop, Jays to sweep the four-game series against Baltimore, plus 500. So if you think it's going to keep rolling, you can you can jump on that. Uh, certainly a relatively no, no, low number, but it speaks to how hot the Jays are right now and just how much the Baltimore Orioles stink. Uh, and then there was the football game last night, Reem. And I got to tell you, thank God the NFL is back. Man, it was great just getting together with some pals, watching the game, checking the fantasy scores, uh, winning a nice little Cowboys point spread bet. Uh, but I'll tell you what, for Thursday night football, for game number one of the season, that was one hell of a football game. And uh, once again, Tom Brady gets the benefit of uh, non-call late in the game. <laughs> and the Bucks come back and get the win on uh, in the final seconds of the game on the on the field goal. Tell you what, though, Brady was magnificent. I kind of joke about that. Ah, I sort of did. I think a lot of people thought that was offensive pass interference on Chris Godwin. Sometimes you get the call, sometimes you don't. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I mean, Brady was incredible last night. I mean, in mid-season form, hard to believe the guy's 44 years old and still doing it as well as just about anybody on the planet. 
And then for the cow on the Cowboys side of things, um, you know, if it wasn't for Greg the leg booting that field goal and missing an extra point, I mean, it could have been a very different game. But I'll tell you what, Dak Prescott was awesome uh, after returning, after, you know, missing most of last season. And uh, C.D. Lamb had a few drops early. He was effective. I mean, everything was going for the Cowboys except for the running game. And I think we've seen from last season, nobody runs on the Buccaneers. Yeah, I know a lot of people are fantasy play, you know, players tracking Zeke Elliott, um, you know, taking... I guess, you know, positive is that he played a lot, but when he played, uh, was not effective. He's on the field. Dak Prescott, no effects from, I'm sure he looked like he left, you know, just where he left off last year with that horrible injury. And if you were listening to this show, we said Cowboys plus the points. The 10 was way, was, was a ridiculous number, us, uh, that many points. And I also said uh, Cooper over, you know, 65 yards, and he easily hit that so hopefully you were listening i was this was surprising to me has a uh, gronk um you know you talk about brady oh he looked good i mean gronk and he had kind of played and you know they would bring him in at the goal line um you know there he was with two touchdowns and again he wasn't like a huge i mean he was a factor for them more of blocking but as far as receiving we, we were waiting for oj howard to emerge as a threat but i think uh gronk there was eight catches 90 yards and i mean antonio brown I mean, still uh, making things happen. We thought maybe he was uh, has been done for a year or two, but I mean, he's, this has got some lethal uh, receiving weapons. Campa defense, uh, at least a run defense, again excellent. Uh, but uh, Brady, I don't know. We're we're waiting for age to catch up with him, us. And I mean, I, it's, he's going to hit a wall at some point, but it doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon. I may have to go on the uh, the TB12 diet. The t- yeah. <laughs> get the, t- the TB the TB twelve method. Get my act together in life. Um, hey, it was it was awesome. And man, you speak about the the weapons that Tampa has right now. Yeah. Um, and you think about what Brady was working with at the end of his time in New England. Oh. And now and now he's got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, a championship level defense. Um, but as I said, my takeaway was uh, a great performance by the Cowboys. Uh, but again, it's just one loss in the uh, one tick in the L column right now. But if they play like that, they'll be right there to be a playoff team and to win that NFC East. Um, we'll talk a little more NFL later on with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Uh, before we do that, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery. Great to have them on board as our newest sponsor. Uh, Manitoba Battery is the battery guys, batteries for everything. You can find them at 1026 Logan Automotive Industrial Farm Power Sports Quad Studios. They've got it all right now. Of course, you're probably putting away some of the toys from the summer. They got a great $20 September fall promo, 20 bucks for a maintainer for your battery for the summer car, boat, camper. Um, this is going to keep that sucker charged throughout the winter so that when you want to get back at it in the spring, it is good to go. Um, and bottom line is they've got the best batteries and the best prices. Uh, they'll deliver it to you at your house. You don't even need to move um, for less than you get at a big box store like Costco. Manitoba Battery. Find out more online. All their deals going on right now at manitobabattery.com. Or you can give them a call at 783-8787. Uh, had a good time with the Royal Sports guys last night watching the game. Great to see Greg and Gerald out. Uh, of course, when it comes to NFL, CFL, Blue Bomber, Jets merchandise, Royal Sports is the uh, only place you need to go. 
If you're thinking on maybe uh, adding some blue to the collection in time for tomorrow's Banjo Bowl, pop down and see him at 750 Pembina Highway, along with King Skate, Snow, and Surf. Of course, they are the hockey superstore, the hockey experts in Winnipeg, family-owned for over 35 years. And uh, whether it's Jets, NFL, merch, they've got it all, but a great selection of bomber gear if you maybe want to hit there on your way to the game tomorrow. Big thanks to Royal Sports. Our hiring as well, I think I mentioned this earlier in the week. If you do uh, maybe a young hockey player or someone's just looking to uh, you know get some hours in a really, really cool store, hit them up on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina or pop by with a resume over at 750 Pembina Highway. And a big shout out to uh, Nick and Nikki and Nick and Nikki DQ. We've got some great, great weather for ice cream. Maybe some victory blizzards tomorrow after the Banjo Bowl. Pop down any of their four locations. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and the Dairy Queen St. Anne's. And uh, if you're thinking about a gathering, maybe having a party, if you're not lucky enough to have a ticket to the sold-out Banjo Bowl, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get you hooked up and you can pop by any of the four locations to pick up. All right, speaking of the Banjo Bowl, it is going to be wild tomorrow. Sold out crowd, bombers, riders, beautiful September Saturday afternoon. It doesn't get any better than this. Let's get ready for the big game and welcome in Ed Tate from BlueBombers.com. Eddie, what's going on? How are you? I'm fantastic, Huss. I like the sound of the victory blizzard. Yes, well, exactly. Pre-victory blizzard on the way home today. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. Uh, what's the atmosphere like around uh, Blue Bomber Camp? Uh, such a big win in the Labor Day Classic. I think a real statement win. But as we know, um, they got to do it again on the weekend because you'll have a probably a pretty ornery Saskatchewan Rough Riders team making the trip to Winnipeg after they really got it handed to them in front of their home fans last week. Yeah, you know, it's been kind of business as usual around here this week. Um, it was interesting. I had a couple of people ask me after the Labor Day Classic, you know, what was the plane ride like back home? Well, there were two planes because we took a prop plane there. And uh, the one I was on was pretty quiet. Um, you know, it's just, uh, I guess this team went into Regina expecting to win and got it done. And uh, when we got on the plane back, it was you know, guys are just chit-chatting a little bit, reading it, but it wasn't craziness. So um, it's uh, it. That's just the the mantra this bunch takes. I don't know. The, you know, I think everybody's jacked up about it. it's the banjo ball, right? It's sold out, and guys are going to be excited that way. But uh, there hasn't been any uh, too much uh, chest thumping. Let's put it around. Though Coach O'Shea wouldn't allow that around here. Yeah, well, and and it does speak to the maturity of this team and maybe how the success they had in 2019, you know, changes the mindset. Um, you know, for a long time, if the, I mean, listen, there's only been two wins in the last 16 years. I mean, if they were going to bump their chest, I would grant them for doing that because God knows there's been a lot of quiet rides home. But yeah. it, it almost seems like with the way the team has played so far this season and knowing what they had accomplished the last time this league played a full season, that they sort of expect that. I mean, they have set a bar pretty high. They certainly met that bar against Saskatchewan, but it's not, uh, you know, it's just one step for the ultimate goal. And in previous years, I'm not sure if that would have been the case, but certainly you mentioned Mike O'Shea. I think the the message right from day one of training camp is that, you know, we can do it again, but we know what it takes. And it takes a lot of performances like we saw last weekend in the Labor Day Classic. You know, I think you make a real good point, Hassan, and that I guess over time it's been, you know, Coach O'Shea got here in 2014 that if you keep saying we're going to go 1-0, 1-0, 1-0 each week, 
that eventually that sink sinks in, right? And uh, he even said after the Labor Day Classic when he was asked about the defense keeping a team under 10 points again, that pride can be dangerous. And we asked him again about it this week, and it's just his way of keeping everybody grounded. And um, I know some people roll their eyes when you, you hear Coach O'Shea or the players talk about going 1-0 this week, but it, it's worked for them, right? They're all wearing great cup rings because of, of that part of that being part of the approach. So, um, look, deep down, though, I, I know these guys are jacked up for – for tomorrow it's going to be a blast when they run out of the tunnel and all those people are there um this is a a loud building to begin with the loudest in the league and when you get it full on a perfect uh, you know it looks like it's going to be a good day tomorrow um it's to be honest next to the great cup this is my favorite game of the year ed you've covered this team for a long time i have to ask you that i've been trying to compare that defensive performance in the labor day game um to some of the best ones we've seen in a long time. I was watching the highlights of Fred Reed running all over the riders in the Banjo Bowl in 2010. And that game, I believe finished 31 to two, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, but I mean, they were going in and playing an undefeated team on the road and held for Jaro and the riders to, you know, under 10 points. Um, I guess it's hard to put that is the best amongst these games, but I, I have to say, would you agree? That's one of the best defensive performances we've seen in a long time from this group. Absolutely. Um, and they still made some mistakes. That's something that they've talked about this week, too. They could have got burned on a Kyron Moore uh, double move early in the game. But what really jumped out to me was just how physical it was. And I, that it sounds kind of weird when you're talking about football, which is a physical game already. But it was violent. I'll put it that way. It was a violent game. And Cody Fajardo, to his credit, he took some licks, man. He, I don't know how he got up a couple of times because he got popped over and over and over again. So credit to him, but it, it clearly it got in into his head a little bit because um, he was hurried out of the pocket. And when he got out of the pocket, he didn't have the free space that he's usually used to, to run for first downs. He, you know, they were chasing him down. Um, you know, William Powell had some effectiveness along the ground for them, but not, uh, you know, not enough to, to keep going to the run. So, I, I expect that the, this defense will bring it again tomorrow because it, it just kind of feeds itself. And um, uh, this team has got something going. I, I mentioned this in one of my stories earlier this week. After five games this year, this team has only given up 67 points, and that's the lowest total after five games dating back to 1958. So this team has been around a long time, and to be able to say that says something about how this team has played. Aside from that one game in Toronto – uh, how this team, this defense has played has been, it's been jaw dropping. Let's put it that way. Well, staying on the, on the topic of the defense, uh, Willie Jefferson, I mean, I'm almost out of words to describe his performances, but I'll, I'll say one thing though. He is a big game player and we saw it the other way around in this game a few years back when he was wearing green, when he pretty much single-handedly flipped that game, did it on his own, put a team on his back and, you know, waltzed all the way down on that pick six uh, on Matt Nichols. But what is it about Willie? And, and how would you compare him with some of the, the most dominant players that you've covered over, uh, you know, the many years watching this Canadian Football League? That's yeah, a good question. You know, uh, I started covering this team in 90 and uh, Tyrone Jones and James West and Greg Battle or Rod Hill were all on that defense. And uh, those guys are all Hall of Famers, you know. Doug Brown got to see him, you know, Baron Simpson, when he was patrolling the middle, there's been some great 
defensive players in this team's history. But I'm not sure that there's been as there's been one that um, causes uh, an offense to change their game plan as much as him, um, because he doesn't just get to the passer. You know, he'll swat passes down at the line of scrimmage. We saw he had an interception earlier this year where he dropped back into coverage. He is a, uh, and you say this complimentary in a complimentary way, but he's a freakish athlete, right? He, he does things that nobody else in this league can do. Uh, and uh, he, he might be one of the most impactful defensive players I, I've seen covering this team. I'm not going to say he's the best because, uh, you know, guys like Bat, uh, Greg Battle and, and Jerron Bolden, there's another one, Alfred Payton, they had good, good careers here too. But, Boy, Willie, with every game, he's getting closer and closer to the top of my list. That's for sure. Well, no doubt about it. And at the same time, you know, he, you know, he takes so much attention. But at the same time, you can't just focus on Willie because on the other side, you've got Jackson Jeffcoat, who maybe is a quieter player than Willie, but uh, certainly not quiet on the field when the ball snapped. No, Jackson's having his best year as a bomber by far. And, it, and you're right. It's not just because he's got Willie Jefferson at the other end. He's making plays on his own, too. And I don't think it's any coincidence that uh, Adam Big Hills looks like the 2018 Adam Big Hill all over again. I mean, he laid a couple of hits on Fajardo in that game last week that I was surprised that uh, the quarterback got up off the ground. And Adam's playing great, you know, and the guys in the interior are playing well. Uh, I really like Dietrich Nichols in the secondary. You've got Mike Jones, Brandon Alexander's having an all-star season. And here's the thing that people have to remember is that you haven't had Kyrie Wilson all year and he was one of the better players in the 2019 great cup um you know they lost mercy mast and then they lost josh johnson they've moved people around in the secondary they haven't had stove richardson aside from one game yet when they start to get those pieces back this defense could be even better and that's saying an awful lot based on what we've seen through the first five games hey, hey just before we move on from the d I, you brought up adam big hill um i couldn't agree more i mean he is playing at a uh, just an incredible level if there was any worries that you know the time might not be kind to adam big hill uh, we found out that that has not been the case if anything maybe the season off has allowed him to be in uh, about as good of shape and preparedness for this that we've ever seen but i it's been interesting to see the way that he's been used, Ed. I mean, he's always a guy that seems to be everywhere, but there's been a couple games now we've seen when the Bombers protecting a lead late in the game, Richie Halls has him back in the secondary playing safety. I mean, some interesting wrinkles of putting your best athletes in positions to help the team, even if it's not where they've normally been before. Yeah, uh, they used a little bit of that in 2019, not very much, but it was uh... – they go with a two safety system occasionally on the field with Brandon Alexander and Adam Big Kill back there. But you're right, Huss. This is about um, Richie Hall and Mike O'Shea and that defensive staff um, recognizing what they have in their talent on, on defense and not being afraid to move people around. Richie Hall was spoke to the media earlier this week, and uh, they had seven defensive packages ready for the Labor Day Classic. And uh, I'm not sure that they got to all of them, but we did see an awful lot of different looks and you can see personnel coming in and off the field. It's not, it's a way to keep everybody engaged, but it's because they have that much talent and you can throw those different looks at them too. The one thing that the writers might do more of tomorrow, and we should keep an eye on this is when you go into that hurry up offense, it stops the defense from changing your personnel an awful lot. And maybe that's something that the writers will do to try to get them going. But um the number of 
I guess you could even say weapons this, that the Bombers have on defense is pretty impressive because it allows you to just really try to get into a quarterback's head. And we saw that last Sunday in Regina. Yeah, there's a lot of problems for uh, opposition offenses right now in that Blue Bomber D. And they're going to get John Trell Rockamore back. By the way, one of the great names in the Canadian Football League. Uh, but yeah, The Rock is back. Uh, where does he fit in, Ed? And uh, maybe just give us an update on uh, uh, anyone returning or players that are out now that uh, it seems like the depth chart's pretty much uh, finalized. Yeah, so... John Trill Rockmore, you're right, a cool name. And he was one of the guys that in the week one, he had an interception. He, he you know, he looks like a player. He's back. I'm not sure how much he's going to get into the, the defensive rotation. He'll play, uh, but they really are happy with what Jesse Briggs has done in that position too. Uh, Ezekiel Rose and Noah Hallett both got hurt last week in the, in the uh, Labor Day Classic. So uh, they're out. Uh, Rockmore is in and then Nick Dealy who was one of their draft picks uh, a couple of years ago, actually a Regina kid who played at the University of Saskatchewan. He'll make his CFL, de- CFL debut tomorrow as a, a Canadian guy, that, you know, basically taking Noah Hallett's spot. So um, kind of the, basically the same lineup. And when you compare that to what the Riders have got going on, it's quite dramatic because the Riders are going to have some holes tomorrow. They do get Micah Johnson back, but no Ed Ganey, no – uh, Lucha's Purifoy, no Jordan Williams, Lambert, the receiver. They're moving people all over the place in the secondary. So they're going to look an awful lot different than even last week in Regina. Uh, huge opportunity for the Bombers to really solidify themselves at the top of this Western division. I mean, right now it's a rematch of these top two teams that were battling for first place last weekend. Uh, but a win tomorrow for the Bombers not only gives them a comfortable spot in first place, but also the all-important tiebreaker if, in fact, they're tied at the end of the season as uh, a sweep in the Labor Day Classic and the Banjo Bowl would uh, give them that season series. Yeah, and you know, you're right. It's critical for that, especially in a short season. And then when you look at the schedule ahead, uh, the Bombers have three more against Edmonton, and Edmonton's become kind of an intriguing team based on what we saw on Labor Day Monday when they beat up Calgary. Um, they've got an awful lot of talent and with three more against them, maybe that's the team that you got to start. Well, after tomorrow, you got to start looking a little bit behind it. What might be charging in uh, Northern Alberta at you. So um, it's, you know, down the stretch here, it's always fun, but especially when, if you're in Winnipeg's position, you're at the top and you're looking down at everybody, it's a lot better than, than chase mode. And if we remember last year, this team got off to such a great start and was nine and two after 11 games and then the wheels kind of fell off for a few weeks there before they got it uh, that third place uh, secured and, and made that run in the playoffs. Um, it, it would be really something to have a home playoff game here, wouldn't it? Even though it would be in uh, late November, early December. <laughs> you know what? Bring it on. Uh, that yep. bomber defense would be more than happy on welcoming some other team in the West for a shot at going to Hamilton and play in that great cup. Ed Tate from BlueBombers.com is with us. We're getting ready for the Banjo Bowl. Sold out tomorrow, 3 p.m. on TSN. Of course, our guy Dustin Nielsen will be calling the game. He's going to join me tonight over at BP City Place. We'll do a live lock shop. Should be a lot of fun. Um, I, I will say this, Ed, and we're going to get, you know, talking. I know we don't spend a lot of time talking about the Lions, but this game opened at yeah. 3 the Bombers are now just a one-point favorite in this game. And when you see the injury report from Saskatchewan, I mean, am I missing something? I mean, is Zach Caleros not playing or something like that? I mean, a, a real head-scratcher the way things are going. Maybe there's just that much faith of the Ryder Nation that they'll get back, that they're pushing that line to where it is. But it's basically a pick right now. 
Yeah, it's it's a bizarre line. I, I you know uh, I started working on my game preview a couple of weeks ago, and we always put the the Vegas line in there, and it was two and a half uh, on Wednesday, I think. And when I opened my computer today and saw that it was down to one. I was shocked, and I'm surprised it hasn't moved a little bit even since the rider depth chart came out. Like you said, Huss, it's uh, you know you I, you know you know this better than me. Usually, the home team gets a field goal if nothing else, right? And and then to uh, based on what happened last week, based on the rider depth chart for that number to have shrunk, I don't know what's happened uh, wherever they're setting the odds, but uh, maybe they you know slept in today. It's time to wake up and. And hey, take a look at that number again. They're going to get hammered on that. You know what? Let's let them sleep on it for a while. And Bomber yeah. fans can, you know, back it up and uh, maybe pay yep. for their bangeable tickets tomorrow there if they can uh, get a win. Hey, elsewhere in the Canadian Football League, you brought up Edmonton. Very impressive win in uh, their Labor Day Classic against the Calgary Stampeders. Calgary now goes to Edmonton this week. And, and I've been doing a lot of radio in Calgary. And we've been talking about this situation going in. Like, I... I to say it's a must-win game is maybe a little bit much, but in a 14-game season with the standings as they are right now in the West, I would say that this is about as urgent a situation the Calgary Stampeders have been, certainly at this point in the calendar, at any point in the last 15 years. I mean, this is a huge game for Calgary. Absolutely. You know, if they drop to 1-5, and five, um, like you said, in a shortened season, that's just too much ground to make up. Uh it's going to be a, a massive one for them. And, I, you know, I, I know they said they weren't going to start Bo Levi Mitchell until he was 100%, but I wonder if um, as good as Jake Mayer's been, um, you know, now that their season's on the line, maybe you have to rush Bo back to, to get him behind center because he's their guy. I mean, as good as Mayer's been, um, it's kind of you got to put all your chips in the middle of the table now if you're the Stamps because if you fall to one and five, that's a, a really deep uh, hole to try to climb out of no there there's no doubt about it i mean that is going to be a uh i mean a game that could could determine where calgary goes for the rest of the season i mean if they can get a win i think on the road with bull returning uh, i think everything's on the table but i mean as you mentioned if they drop a one and five on the season uh they played the majority of their games at home as well i mean you're basically traveling most of the west teams will be doing that more so in the second half of the season uh, crazy situation for the Stamps to be in. I don't think anybody saw it coming. What's your read on the BC Lions, Ed? You know, I wish I had one. It, they're, they're kind of a mystery, aren't they? I mean, that first game of the season, uh, it looked like Mike Riley couldn't play anymore, right? The ball was coming. Every throw looked like a punt. It was He was terrible. And then he comes back and he... He, he looks like the old Michael Riley again. He's he's carving up defenses, but they've been kind of quiet. And, uh, um, you know, they had the bye last week, and it's hard. They're really a hard team to get a, a read on. They've got talent. Um, I still have questions about their old line. They've got some new pieces on the D line. Looks like they can get after it, but they might be the biggest mystery to me in the league because we're starting to get a read on everybody else. You know, we see the troubles and. In Ottawa, Hamilton looked pretty good last week. Toronto's, I think, still pretty good. Uh, Montreal leveled off with their win over Ottawa. Calgary and Edmonton, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. But BC, kind of a, you know, we're all, everybody right now is uh, an, an unfinished painting. But, man, there's hardly any colors on the on the canvas out there on the left coast. 
Uh, Ed Tate with us from BlueBombers.com. Let's get back to the home team and back to the Banjo Bowl. We've talked a lot about the the defensive performances. Um, great to see Nick Dembski back in the lineup last week, Ed. I mean, from my perspective, he certainly is, I mean, a dynamic receiver. Um, you know, he's a game breaker, can open up plays. But having him in the in the backfield or sometimes running through the backfield, even when he doesn't touch the ball, he has a pretty profound impact on the running game as well, doesn't he? He does. Uh, it's just the threat of the run, right? It, it, even if uh, he was to carry it three to five times and, you know, I'd have to go back to check when the last time that happened is, but, you know, I, I think of that, uh, that playoff win in Calgary and that uh, touchdown run of his was so important um, boy, that pass last week from Zach Caleros to him in the back of the end zone was just picture perfect, wasn't it? I think uh, Nick is a, there's a uniqueness to his game in in the, his skill set and what he can bring, and he's a, a you know you could say he's a receiver with running back uh, skills, or you could say he's a running back with receiver skills, he, and I think that's what makes him difficult to uh, to defend. And you know he kind of had an up and down game last week he had I think what would be considered one drop he might say it was a drop but then again that touchdown pass was so critical and 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 that's him staying focused and getting the job done well and speaking of drops I mean uh, I was I mean somewhat critical of the receiving core from the previous game especially against Calgary but I thought well Tarski even Kenny Lawler uh, you know there was a number of drops and I think that was probably something that was talked about I mean with the exception of that one play from Dembski those other players that we had mentioned and we talked about needing to sort of step up absolutely did. I mean, the the the, the catches that some of these played, some of them were just incredible throws by Zach Caleros, putting the ball in a place that there was zero chance it was going to be picked off and then letting the balls, you know, letting the players go and get it. But then there was also some big catches, contested catches where the Bombers came down. Um, what were your thoughts on just the bounce back for the receiving core as a whole in last week's game? Yeah, that's the right term. It really was a bounce back, wasn't it? Uh, I thought there were some tough catches. You know, it wasn't just guys uh, rack, uh, racking up really good yardage and, and numbers. It, they were tough catches. That's the the when it's healthy. That's the best secondary in the CFL. At least it was going into last week's game. You could sure make the case for Winnipeg's now. Um, it, it, and Winnipeg got it done. You know, there's Ed Ganey's back there. Lucas Purifoy, Mike Edom at, at safety. Those are known guys, and, and the, the Bombers put up some good numbers. And it, I get this feeling that it's only going to get better and better, right? Because uh, you're right, there were a couple weeks in a row there where the ball was on the ground too much. And it just seems like they're starting to hit their stride a little bit with Zach Caleros and trying to find that comfort level. People forget. I mean, I guess it isn't the right way to put it. People forget. I think, uh, you know, Zach Caleros only played eight games with this team, right? I mean, including the playoffs. So, it, it sometimes chemistry is instant. Sometimes it's it takes a while to brew, and I think it's still kind of percolating with this crew yet, and, and the quarterback. So I think that they're going to get better, and the numbers are going to get better in the coming weeks. But uh, bounce back is the right term for what they did last week in, in the Labor Day Classic. Well, I guess uh, you know a part of the story is, of course, the addition of Naaman Roosevelt. And it right. seems like most, a lot of those guys in the starting lineup are like, "Welcome to the team," uh, but I don't want to lose my spot. <laughs> That's exactly right. I think a lot of people thought that Naaman would get into at least one of these two games. Remember, we talked about just a couple of days before the Labor Day Classic that he might even play in that game because you know, even with just one practice. But uh, here we are, another week in, and um, he's not in the lineup. Um, 
So that says something about how those guys played in, in Regina last week and the, and the work they put in this week too. It's a nice option to have, isn't it? To have a, a two-time uh, thousand-yard receiver sitting on the bench waiting for his opportunity. And uh, I suspect we'll see him down the road, but uh, um, it might take an injury or, or just a horrible performance by somebody for him to get in the lineup. I don't know. They might uh, tinker with things and add him as, you know, just a, as a designated import to get him in the lineup. But um, a nice option for Mike O'Shea to have. Uh, Eddie, I got to talk special teams for a minute. Uh, we've talked a lot about Mike Miller earlier when he set the uh, the record for the most special teams tackles. By my count, uh, and this is a very non scientific count, he's in on about ninety five percent of the special teams tackles. Uh, how the hell does he do it? It's a. It really is funny. If you focus, just if you could do your own isolation camera on him on a on a kick cover, uh, I don't know how he does it because. Uh, Sometimes he gets double teamed because he's uh, he's so accomplished in this league at that. Um, but it's it's timing, it's knowing the game. I think that's number one. A lot of it's just knowing his craft, and a lot of it's just. And he'll tell you this. A lot of it's just want to. Right? There's nothing too scientific about special teams. You run down the field and you try to tackle somebody or you blow things up. And I think he's uh, He's done that so well. And I, I, you know, we've talked about this before, Huss. It's such a good story for a guy from New Brunswick that wasn't drafted, barely made the uh, Edmonton squad when he first went there and got kicked to the curb by them when he was due a, a bonus in the off season. And I mean, his name might've been on the transaction wire for 30 seconds before Mike O'Shea and Kyle Walters says, we're bringing that guy in <laughs> and uh, look at the seasons he's had here in Winnipeg uh, in 2019. He was the top, special teams player and top Canadian. So I don't know how he does it, Huss, but uh, it's cool. It's a cool story because he's a cool guy and he's humble and he's not going to be out there bragging about it. No doubt about it. Hey, Ed, before we go, uh, Paul and James wondering, uh, we heard that Charles Nelson was uh, missing practice. So what do we know about the uh, kick return and punt return um, team going into this week? It's still going to be Nelson. Uh, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people have uh, – have been critical of what they've got done or not got done back there uh, because uh, Janarian Grant's been out for a while. Janarian Grant is not practicing still. He's been hurt. Um, yeah, I think we've all been spoiled a little bit by what uh, Janarian Grant did in 2019 and, and Charles Nelson a little bit too before he got hurt. I think it's going to come. The one thing I'll say about him uh, is aside from that Toronto game where the ball bounced a couple of times because he was he was backing up so much because Boris Beattie can sometimes put those punts in the stratosphere, uh, he catches it clean. That's the number one thing. You know, when your defense forces a, a turn and out or two and out or it forces the offense to punt, the number one thing is you better secure the ball at the other end. And that's the one thing. So there's always a, a, a check mark in the box for Charles Nelson doing that. Yeah, we'd like to see him bust a couple more because – the Bombers have given up some on the field position game. Uh, but I think that'll, that'll come too. So maybe just a little more, more patience. And if it doesn't start coming, then then you start looking at other people to get back there before Janarian Grant is healthy. Eddie, great having you on the program. Hey, uh, fill people in on the Handled Internally podcast. Uh, uh, you're cranking that out. I mean, imagine there'll be uh, something, hopefully talking about a big win on the Banjo Bowl. But uh, uh, just uh, give a little plug for folks that uh, want a little more of your wit and wisdom. <laughs> Well, it's been a, a while since uh, Darren Cameron and I have actually recorded one, but we're talking about doing one in the bye week, perhaps, which is uh, 
the Bombers play tomorrow and then next week in Edmonton. Um, there's so much fun to do. Darren and I get in here with the different guests and uh, crack open a couple of wobbly pops, as uh, Chris Walby used to say, and uh, and just uh, kick it around for a little while. But uh, I know a couple of people have been asking when we're going to do another one. Uh, we haven't got anything tentatively scheduled yet, but we'll trot one out soon. I'll tell you what, it is the best named podcast anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I, every time I hear it mentioned, I chuckle, thinking back to the old Mike Kelly days here. In yeah, Winnipeg. he wants some royalties on this now. <laughs> uh, Ed, you know what? I've been talking all week. I've been fired up for the NFL to get going. We had the big kickoff game last night. Uh, tomorrow, CFL triple header, beautiful September afternoon, packed stadium, Bombers, Riders, and then we can uh, relax for 11 hours on the couch after a great Saturday with some NFL football. doesn't get much better than this. I cannot, I cannot wait for the game tomorrow. Uh, all the best to you in the blue. Cannot wait for the game, and uh, let's do this again soon. We really appreciate you coming on, A. Right on. Thanks, Huss. Thanks for having me on. Have a good day and see you tomorrow. Right on. At Ed Tate WFC. That is Ed Tate from BlueBombers.com. You can read all of his work covering the team over at the site. And, um, I mean, just one of the one of the best. I mean, uh, Ed Tate, a great friend of ours. Uh, and, uh, you know, few better at covering a team than, uh, than Ed. Just a pleasure to have him on the program. And, uh, yes, cannot wait for the game tomorrow. Um, hey, Remo, before we uh, bring in Lee Hacksaw Hamilton in a couple minutes, I want to get you back in here because I did see some people talking in the chat about a certain shirt worn by the land shark Willie Jefferson today. The swag is back. Is Swaggerville? I, I, Willie has believe has anointed himself the new mayor of Swaggerville and uh, the swag is back. I know this is a polarizing topic amongst Bomber fans. But I'll tell you all right now, I am absolutely here for it. Uh, I, I, th- that team and that defense was so much fun. This defense might be better and might actually be more fun, if you can believe that. Yes, uh, I agree here. I'm trying to pull up the picture. For those of us on YouTube, if you're on the podcast, go to our Twitter page or Bonfire Sports TV on Twitter, but our worst sports talk, WPG. There's Willie Jefferson with the bucket hat and the got swag, swaggerville shirt. Shout out to Darren Bombing, who screen cap this one i think it's great i'm a big fan of swaggerville they should have won the great cup if you ask me i think it was odell willis had a ball go through his hands in the gray cup that was an easy pick six and maybe uh, things are, are different uh, back in uh, 2011 but uh i mean I, I think it's great i don't know where they dug this thing up of i'm curious like if they have like a stash of these lying around someone asked uh, i think it was jason jet said he had a shirt that he got from the bomber store someone asked if he got it from javon Johnson, a, but uh, I, that was that was a great defense. But I I agree this one might uh, might be better. Just the number of you know top players at their position on defense: Big Hill, Jeffcoat, and uh, Jefferson. But also uh, you know some of the guys in the DBs uh, who you know Dietrich Nichols coming in. He's looked pretty good. Uh, so watch over these guys. I love a Swaggerville. Give me, give. I, I'd wrap one of those shirts. It's great. Yeah, you know, I have one that was, uh, and I wore it to the 2011 Labor Day game, uh, and it just said Swag, and the W was the Bomber logo. Uh, anyways, I was up. Justin Fungs is in. Jeff Kabila says Swaggerville was a curse. Well, what are you talking about? That defense literally dragged the Bombers to the Grey Cup when the offense wasn't doing anything, although Chris Garrett did have that monster Eastern final in the 
freezing cold out at uh, the old Canadian Stadium back then. Anyways, uh, there will be swag. Willie's got enough. He can do whatever the heck he wants if he keeps playing the way he is right now for the Blue Bombers. Cannot wait for the game tomorrow. All right. Uh, we're going to bring in Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp. Can't wait to uh, get in that Not Loge with the guys tomorrow at the game. Uh, but right now, they're launching a contest for a free Tesla for a weekend. Um, what you need to do is go over to the not the new all new custom graphics wraps rims at Winnipeg Car Lab on Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook. All the social media will be some posting things on the weekend. Uh, you can follow them, like them, find out more about Winnipeg Car Labs, which is opening now at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGillivray, and maybe get a chance to take out one of those incredible Teslas for a weekend. I, I got my first ride in one of those things a couple weeks ago on the way to the game. Absolutely incredible. Very intrigued about those. Uh, but anyways, Not Auto Corp. They got the Winnipeg Car Lab opening. Follow them on Insta, TikTok, Facebook. Get in on that contest. And if you're looking for a new vehicle why not get into the car of your dreams with the help of the team at not auto corp waverly and mcgillivray and online at not.ca a uh, big shout out to our friends at boston pizza they've got the three burgers right now the uh, seas burger over at bp keniston the jalapeno mac and cheese burger over at bp taylor and uh, the bp henderson has the bourbon barbecue bacon burger uh, we're going to probably be focusing on some wings and pizza tonight, maybe a few cold ones, because Boston Pizza City Place, 7 p.m. tonight. Everyone's invited. Dustin Nielsen, myself, Chris Abbott, we're going to crank out a live lock shop. Remus is going to be in tow and uh, sort of double as a little bit of a Winnipeg sports talk meetup. So if you don't have plans tonight, pop on down to BP City Place. We'd love to see you all. And uh, again, big shout out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. We told you three more days of live racing coming up next week. And uh, they've got that $1 million jackpot high five offer for Wednesday, as well as a big carryover bonus that might be in effect depending on what happens on Monday and Tuesday. We'll fill you in on Monday. We'll make our final Monday picks for the season. Uh, but you can find out more, asdowns.com. Don't forget, Terrace Dining Room is open. You do need to make reservations. And, of course, the VLT is open from 9 until 12.15 every day. All right. We got our CFL fix with Ed Tate. Let's talk about the opening of the NFL season. Big win last night for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and a hell of a Thursday nighter to kick off the season and a full slate of games for Sunday afternoon. Let's welcome in the legend himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, back to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Saw what's going on. How are you? Gentlemen, NFL weekend. Hope you hope you're doing well. Great to chat with you again up in Winnipeg. Geez, Andrew, your sales pitching me. You're gonna pick me up in your Tesla. We're gonna stop at Boston Pizza and then we're gonna go to the track. That's not a bad way to spend a Saturday. <laughs> That's right, Axel. Well, we'll be right there with the Tesla waiting for you at the airport. Um, speaking of airport, what an air game we saw last night. Um, you know, for week one of the season. Um, I think we sort of expected Tampa to come out and look like the team that we saw win the Super Bowl a few months back. Tell you what, the Dallas Cowboys were legit. I mean, the kicking game probably left a little bit to be desired, but uh, that was a pretty impressive performance for Dallas. Nonetheless, though, a pretty disappointing loss with the way it ended up. Uh, what did you think about the opener? Hustler, I don't know that you can top it. I mean, that, that was spectacular. First game out of the box, the quarterbacks were razor sharp. Fans got their money's worth, I think, watching this. I mean, they finished with a combined 882 yards in total offense and 
and Tom Brady outdueled Dak Prescott. Uh, I mean, I thought it was a spectacular football game, and Tampa just continues to roll, Super Bowl rings and all. I think, I don't know if you buy into moral victory in Dallas, but I'll tell you what, they played the champions right to the bitter end, and Dallas had a lot to prove. You know, there are huge questions coming in. <coughs> How is Dak Prescott going to be able to move the pocket? Would he would he be able to run? I mean, he had a real catastrophic ankle injury, and then he, then he was shut down for all of preseason because of the strained lat muscle in the back of his shoulder. How would he throw? Well, I mean, you saw what he did. He threw for 403 and three touchdowns. Brady threw for four touchdowns. So, I mean, it, I guess it's a loss, but it's a real moral victory because their defense really, really played well, Andrew. So I, I think that Dallas has answered all the questions about their team right now. And I I know there's a lot of heat in Dallas-Fort Worth right now about Greg Zerline, but again, he came off back surgery. He's been a rock-solid kicker for a long period of time. And, he, you know, he did wind up kicking three of them, even though he missed two and he had uh, the botch point after. Uh, had he made those kicks, Dallas would have had a healthy lead and probably would have won the football game. But, well, those two teams are really, really dynamic getting the ball down the field and Antonio Brown just looks like such a different player right now than he was when he joined them last season. And it was such a start and stop season for him. Uh, and there's, there's no doubt that if Amari Cooper stays healthy, that's what Amari Cooper could do. He had 13 catches uh, in that uh, game for 169 yards. And, you know, CeeDee Lamb has taken the next step, the, the young rookie wide receiver out of Alabama. Gronk is Gronk. Uh, neither team tried to run the ball, could not run the ball very much. One of the intriguing sidebars if you go back and look at video, just look at the physical makeup of Ezekiel Elliott. He is so trim. He is much faster than he was. Uh, he's obviously found a different way to get ready to play an NFL season. He he could be have a, have a really good season because he just looks so quick in his cuts and everything. And I hadn't seen that in the last year or so. So, I mean, great, great start for Tampa. I, I think Dallas answered a ton of questions, even though it was a loss. Uh, you know, I mean, we talked about Brady earlier. I mean, the superlatives are over. I mean, he's just absolutely incredible and was in Super Bowl form, it seemed, yesterday in that game. But, Lee, you know who stood out to me? And I did not think I'd be bringing this up today. The guy that stood out maybe the most last night on the Bucks wasn't any of the incredible offensive players. It was Vita Vea in the middle of that defensive line. I mean... This guy is he's basically a hot water tank going through the line. I, the power that he showed, I mean, if he's healthy all year long, because he did miss a good portion of that last season, I mean, what a difference maker up front. And uh, that was a big part of the reason why they never even got close to getting Zeke going in the backfield. Big boy football, no doubt about it. You know, he played at the University of Washington up here in the Pacific Northwest in the Pac-12. Had a pretty good career. Got to Tampa. A lot was expected with him you know, being the, the other guy uh, to Damakong Sue, and he just had a lot of injury problems last year and never really got going, had knee problems. But, boy, he's explosive. And uh, is that two tons of fun at defensive tackle, those two guys, <laughs> Sue and Vita? But, you know, and then they unveiled him as a blocking back uh, down on the goal line situation on close yardage. <laughs> That's a pretty good football player. That's a very good defense. I mean, all the attention – on the Sun Coast goes to Tom Brady and, and all the wide receivers and Antonio Brown and Godwin and Gronk. And we didn't even see the other t tight end, A.J. Howard, who's coming off the Achilles injury. And he's going to be part of this mix before much too long.
But, you know, lost, lost in the conversation in Tampa around the league. Buccaneers' defense is pretty doggone good, and, and their linebacking core runs to the football a little thin in the secondary, but very, very fast. So that's the complete package. And Brady, I got to believe there's an intangible, and sometime we'll talk about this, I got to believe a second year in Arian's system is going to mean Brady's going to be even more dangerous this year than he was last year when they went out and, and they got the ring. So, yeah, Tampa, Tampa looks for yeah, I mean, you know, if you go back to the to 2020 season, um, you know, the first nine games or so, there were some real ups and downs. But, you know, the yep. second half of the season, they, you know, turned themselves into that championship team, won three games on the road to get to play in the first home Super Bowl. And then, of course, uh, of course, won it elsewhere in the league. What the hell is going on in Baltimore? Uh, are there any running backs left, Lee? Well, they, they got all kinds of problems. Uh, and this has come out of nowhere in the last 10 days. Uh, you know, the, the first piece of controversy with the Ravens is the risk-reward of Lamar Jackson refusing to get the vaccine and the fact that he's been infected twice so far and still has not changed his mind. And they've got other Baltimore players who are unvaxxed. That's an issue that bears watching because these flare-ups are happening in all these different teams around the league. And, you know, you go across the street in Major League Baseball and you see what's happened at the end of the pennant race to the Boston Red Sox. they got 20 people now who have either been infected or in close contact, which means they're pulled away from the club. So this is this deviant, this Delta situation still exists. And then, and then all of a sudden, they lose J.K. Dobbins a week ago with a torn knee ligament. He had a nice rookie season out of Ohio State. Then they lost their second young running back, Justice Hill. They just bought out his contract. He's in a season-ending knee injury. And then yesterday, Gus Edwards goes down knee injury he's done for the year so i mean the baltimore ravens in a span of 24 hours signed latavius murray who just got cut from new orleans just prior to that uh, signed uh, Livion bell the ex-stealer and jet hadn't been in anybody's camp and who knows if he's in football shape so john harbaugh is putting out a bunch of fires right here with the start of the nfl season but this the injury thing is one thing but this this lamar jackson thing just stuns me i think there's eight nfl quarterbacks andrew who have not been vaccinated. And uh, that, that to me, is not a good sign. Uh, sidebar story to that, you know, the Vikings have the least number of players vaccinated right across the border from you. Minnesota brought in an infection specialist doctor about 10 days ago uh, to have a, a team meeting and to answer questions as to why you're not vaccinated. And there were a lot of, quote, unintelligent questions that were given to that doctor in this team meeting. Things like, well, I've been told or maybe I read somewhere that if you had the vaccine, you could be <laughs> sterile. The doctor just kind of lost his mind. And and they, they sales pitch these players that you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do it. And all three of those quarterbacks in Minnesota are unvaccinated, including Kirk Cousins. And the, I, I may have mentioned this to you a month ago. I think the thing that shocks me the most is NFL players have the best health care in the country, maybe in the world surely better than you and me because those doctors are on call and for a player to stand up in that viking meeting and it happened also in buffalo because they got a, a chunk of players unvaxxed for a player to stand up and said i don't understand this and i don't trust the science you've got to be kidding me you've had 17 months to call and talk to your team physicians about what you don't don't know about about the vaccine and so the league is the league has done a phenomenal job they did a great job last year they got collectively better and better and better Andrew, uh, in administering all the health protocols. Uh, but 
this Delta variant is triggering other stuff. And even though the league did a great job last year, that was last year. And now they got to deal with this, this next set of circumstances. I, you know, I think the league is really scared. Uh, and the, the, I, I guess what I'm surprised is the union has not ordered all of its players to get vaccinated. And the National Hockey League did. Uh, they, they put out a memo, I want to say, three, four weeks ago, that there must be 100% vaccination and your players are not going to be allowed into camp because players might not even be allowed to come into country if they're unvaxxed. Uh, uh, NHL did a, a good job. I just don't understand the union not trying to push this boulder up the hill and get everybody vaccinated. We, I think we've got four teams now are, that are 100%. The Raiders were the latest. Uh, but when you've got six or seven that are only in the 70 to 80% range, there's, there's just a risk there that's going on. So, I mean, that's that's a sidebar story as we start the season. What's going to could happen, might happen off field. Well, and, and, you know, certainly people here following the Vikings very closely. I mean, I think everyone saw just how angry and, you know, disappointed Mike Zimmer was earlier in the, in the training camp. And, you know, unfortunately for Zim, uh, that situation has not got any better. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, hey, before we get to the games on Sunday, I mean, I don't even know if it's worth talking about the Houston Texans and their situation right now. Um, Tyrod Taylor's going to be the starting quarterback. He just traded their one, you know, actual legit body in the secondary, traded Ruby to the Saints. I, I don't see how this team wins two or three games this year, to be honest, Lee, but... Um, I mean, how miserable a season are Texans fans bracing themselves for? Hustler, you look at this roster and you look at the environment around this roster, does this look like an expansion team to you? Ooh, not very good. Uh, I, I am surprised it's gone as long as it has, that the NFL has not come to a conclusion as to the status of this player. Uh, I mean, he is on the 53-man roster. He will not be allowed to dress. He's, he's going to be inactive to start the season. He's not practiced with the number one unit at all. Um, the, the new general manager has attempted, Nick Cesario, has attempted to shop him in a trade market. But what's happened is clubs have come back to him and said, no, we're not offering you three number one picks for Deshaun Watson. Now, we'll make a conditional trade. We'll start out with a number three pick. You could have that next year. And if he gets, if he's allowed to go ahead and play, you know, maybe it could be elevated to a couple number ones to, based on what he does for the new team. Houston, Houston's not doing that. So he's going to be inactive. I mean, their quarterbacks are going to be Tyrod Taylor or Journeyman at best, who plays well till he gets hurt, and he always gets hurt because he's so small. And the other one is Davis Mills, a rookie from Stanford. And the last time we saw him the last weekend, he threw three interceptions. So, uh, you know, and there is no J.J. Watt, and there is no DeAndre Hopkins, and it just, it's just, it's just a bad situation. So, yeah, if you thought Jacksonville Jaguar football was bad last year when they lost 15 in a row, Look at Houston this year. This might might be as bad. The Jags are a three-point favorite on the road in week one against Houston. That's pretty much all you need to know. Uh, it'll, great... be fascinating. it'll be fascinating to see Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, because I do think there's some really cool dynamics there. But at the end of the day, by the time you buy me beer tonight, sitting around the table, Andrew, it's still he's still starting a lot of the players that were there that lost 15 games in a row at the end of the season. But uh, – Trevor Lawrence is gifted. He really is. Yeah, I would say that if we were do if we were ranking the games for this Sunday, the Jacksonville Houston game might be at the bottom. Lee, uh, what's the top game for you? If you're only able to watch one game on Sunday, 
Uh, what channel are you turn it to? Well, I'm going to watch at least three plus whatever I can divvy up off the uh, off off the satellite because I I'm sorry I'm a junkie I just have to do this. <laughs> um, I, I would say you know there's probably five really cool games. Uh, Green Bay New Orleans uh, farewell tour Andrew Aaron Rodgers that's a pretty good uh, Packer football team. New Orleans we're going to find out if Jameis Winston gets impacted by Sean Payton. Or will the guy that throws touchdowns and turnovers continue to throw touchdowns and turnovers? And what will life really be like for New Orleans after Drew Brees? The other other thing is Saints have had a, just a terrible number of injuries on defense in camp. And I bet I bet they've signed six defensive free agents in the last 10 days to try to get to the start of the season. So Packers-New Orleans, interesting game. Pittsburgh-Buffalo, farewell tour for Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Bills think they're ready to take the next step, which means maybe AFC championship game or Super Bowl. This will be fun. Roethlisberger versus Josh Allen. That's going to be cool. And of course, that game's going to be in Buffalo. Miami, New England. You got Tua versus Mac. Uh, the Battle of the Alabama alumni. Going to be fun to see what, what the Patriots are really like now that the bullets start to fire live. Mac Jones had a great preseason. Did not turn it over. Did not make a lot of mistakes to the point that they got they got rid of Cam Newton. So Mac Jones running, which is a really brand new team because there's a lot of new offensive parts uh, that Belichick signed in the offseason. So that's going to be fun. And, you know, he's two of the real deal. I mean, he managed games last year. He did not put, put up staggering statistics. So what is Tua going to be like in, in year two? We'll say this, though. I know one thing for certain. Miami will come to punch you in the mouth. Brian Flores did a really good job as head coach last season. And now he's got a year under his belt. I've added pieces there. And the question is, is Tua a game manager or is Tua going to be a game breaker? So Tua versus Mack in the battle of the Bama Alumni Association will be fun. Kansas City, Cleveland, uh, Patrick Mahomes, a lot of new friends. Uh, those offensive linemen were in name tag. He's got four new offensive linemen. And then everybody else returns to Kansas City. And Cleveland's been built into this. Cleveland's right at the door. You know, they, they think maybe they're a Super Bowl team. Or is it Kansas City or is it Buffalo? But Browns got Baker Mayfield. The Browns got two quality wide receivers, two tight ends, two heavy-duty running backs. They got Miles Garrett on the other side. They got Jadavian Clowney. He's going to try to stay healthy. Got an unbelievable wealth of talent in the secondary. All those young pups that they drafted have played real well in spurts. So I, I think that game is going to be fun. And then the Raiders-Baltimore. Uh, John Gruden's got all this offense, and John Gruden's got no defense. And the question is, when one of the Raiders going to win? because they haven't won in this first group of years there, and they just continue to churn and turn that roster over. Now, Baltimore's coming in there with Lamar, but Baltimore's limping in there with no running game. So that's going to be a fun game. Like I said, we started last night, and, boy, what we got on Sunday, just cool. What a great first weekend in the league. Yeah, no doubt. And we got a CFL triple header here tomorrow, a big game between the Bombers and Riders here in Winnipeg at a sold-out IG field, and then our first full NFL Sunday. Oh, man, I cannot wait. Lee, uh, let me ask you about the California teams down in your neck of the woods. Brandon Staley going in uh, with the Chargers. Uh, I'm pretty high on that. I think that they're going to be a playoff team. And the Rams have just gone all in right now. I mean, they're going to go eight years without a first-round pick, a very unconventional way of building a team. Matt Stafford's there. Probably a lot of pressure on Matt Stafford to show that he was worth it. But uh, just your thoughts on uh, the Chargers and the Rams going into week one. Well, I did a TV shot early morning here today uh, about the opening of the NFL season, and one of the questions was the Rams situation. And as I've told the people on the West Coast, ignore what Matt Stafford did in Detroit. 
uh, ignore the fact is a record of 74 and 93. Ignore the interceptions, ignore the sacks. Understand that he had one player around him, the Hall of Famer, Megatron, Calvin Johnson. He had virtually nothing else. It was constant changes in coaching, philosophy, etc. He was a victim of the mess that was Lions ownership. This is a clean piece of paper. He's big, he's physical, he's intellectual, he's fiery, he's a leader, and he's got a gun that can throw it from here to the parking lot in SoFi Stadium. And who does he inherit? Robert Woods and four wide receivers plus Deshaun Jackson that make plays. He inherits two tight ends. I just traded for Sonny Michelle uh, from the New England Patriots to solve the injury problem at running back and the number one defense triggered by Aaron Donald uh, and Sean McVay, who's obviously one of the bright lights in the league. Now, only negative, they did lose a lot of support players on defense. Man, they've always juggled the salary cap so they could take on a contract like they took on with Matthew Stafford, but this time it cost him five guys who played on the defensive side. One of them was a starter in Michael Brockers. Two of them were starters on the back end in Troy Hill and John Johnson. That's the only question I have is have they wiped out their depth on defense so they could load the, gullet, the gun with all these bullets on offense, but they're going to be good. And it's real easy the first week of the season, Andrew, to say, well, the Rams will win the division, win the NFC playoffs, and play a home game in the Super Bowl. But that's, that's the tone of the conversation. The other team in that building, the Chargers, we, we know things for certain. Great quarterback, Justin Herbert, 4,100 yards last year, 31 touchdowns. Really great runner, Keenan Allen, big play wide receiver, Mike Williams, and a pretty good multi-purpose running back, Austin Eckler. And we also know they got Joey Boa, uh, Bosa, and they got the, the great young safety who's been hurt, locked over James. Those are the givens, but they have four new starters in the offensive line and an oft-injured veteran right tackle. We don't know because those guys did not play at all in the preseason. I totally disagree with Brandon Staley not playing any of his regulars in any of the three preseason games. That's a big issue to me. Uh, the other the other issue they've got with the Chargers is that he's he's done some very unorthodox things. They are not traveling on Friday for East Coast games. Historically, everybody in the NFL does it because it's a long trip. And, and they are not going to travel. They're going to travel on Saturday, get there Saturday night, get up and play at 10 a.m. body time on Sunday in Washington. They've got entirely new coaching staff, much more complex playbooks offensively, defensively. Justin Herbert's a bright light. I mean, he has an intellect as a quarterback, but he, he has admitted this playbook that Joe Lombardi brought from New Orleans was designed for the intelligence of Drew Brees, and his kid quarterback is trying to digest all of this in one training camp. That's going to be a challenge, and the fact none of the starters played uh, one snap in the preseason. In fact, their number one draft pick, the left tackle, Rashawn Slater, great talent out of Northwestern. Andrew, he's played one series since 2019. He did not play at Northwestern last year because of COVID. He played opening series, first preseason game, and got hurt. Has not played in a game since then. So even though everybody here is amped about Justin Herbert, and rightfully so, and the other factor, when you get time, you punch up their schedule on your computer. You'll be shocked. Look at the first seven weeks, who they play, how many road trips, and they face every bleeping big-time quarterback in the first seven weeks of the season. So they had a lot of new things to put in place. Hell, their season could be over by the last week of October 
if they come out of the gate badly because of all these other things going on. So it's going to be a strange story. I, great respect for Justin Herbert. I think they've really rebuilt the roster with a lot of young athletes, but they're doing a lot of unorthodox things uh, with that football team, with that coach. And I, I talk to NFL people. They tell me that that coach is a Rhodes Scholar football guy, that he is he is really something special. But he hasn't done it yet, and I think you got you got to pay attention to that. And who's across the field from him on Sunday morning? Those old dogs, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. And by the way, Washington's got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's going to throw the football all over the joint. And Washington had the number two defense in the entire league. So there's a lot of stuff going on for Justin Herbert to have to deal with come Sunday. Well, I'm high on the WFT going into this season. I know everyone's sort of gaga about the Cowboys and what they were able to do last night. But, I mean, honestly, Lee, when you you just mentioned the challenges of the Chargers up front on that offensive line, going up in week one, Slater, welcome to the NFL. Meet Chase Young. Meet Montez Sweat. I mean, this is... uh, this is a tough spot to begin the season for uh, for LA. Yeah, you know, plus those two bookend inside defensive tackles, and they got a bunch of guys in the back end to play. They in a modern day NFL, and you pay attention to stats like I do. Modern day, where everybody throws the football. Did you know that Washington last year gave up only 190 yards a game passing? Washington gave up 304 yards per game in total offense to the enemy in a, in a, a league that. Everybody throws for 300 yards, and everybody gets nearly 500 yards in offense. And Washington put those kind of numbers up. So I, I do really believe that going against those old dogs, Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, is going to be hard for Brandon Staley. And the worst-case scenario, if this is a tough game in Week 1 Washington, Andrew, who do they play in Week 2? Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Bring it on. Lee, great having you on the program. Uh, hopefully we can do this again throughout the season. Enjoy week one and all the great games, and uh, we'll have you back real soon. Thanks for doing this, boss. My pleasure. Have yourself a great sports weekend to your guys up there in Winnipeg. Thanks, Andrew. You got it. There he is, the legend himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. You can follow him on Twitter at Hacksaw1090 and check out his website. He's still cranking out content daily at LeeHacksawHamilton.com. All right, uh, this next segment is a hashtag not sports, but it is certainly there is a connection to what we do here. Uh, we love talking about beer. We love talking about food. And it's all coming together with Burger Week, which has always been a huge thing here in Winnipeg. But it is, uh, it's next level now. We've expanded it to two weeks. And, you know, we've been talking to Carter and uh, DQ Nick's been around. But I figured if we really wanted to get to the bottom of what is happening this week in our city with the burgers, we need to go to, I I would think that this is the authority. The Instagram page is at burgers on the brain and Kyra Fanning's joining us now also doing some great work with our good friends over at little Brown jug. So to get into the weekend, we figured what better way to do it than uh, get a little info on what's happening with the Burger Week in and around. Uh, let's bring Kyra in right now. Kyra, what's up? Thanks so much for doing this. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. So happy you're not asking me sports questions because I would yeah. not be the person for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We can talk beer. We can talk burgers. Hey, you know, just before we get to burgers, of course, Little Brown Jug, a great sponsor of ours here. We've had so mm-hmm. much fun working with uh, you know, the gang there. Uh, big weekend over at the uh, at the Tap House, uh, Brig Pride patio party right now, and of course the uh, the uh, rainbow cans out with a uh, dollar off going to uh, do charity, um, selling both online as well as down at the Tap House. 
Yeah, we're so excited for that event tonight, starting at 6.30. We're going to have some queens down there, some DJs. We've got a food truck. It's going to be fantastic. And like you mentioned, those pride cans we have on sale directly through our tap room. Uh, and they're our classic 1919, but we did a little makeover on the can. And donations are going to Pride Winnipeg and Friends. Well, it's the good stuff. Uh, we all know how much uh, we all love 1919. I have a feeling there'll be plenty of 1919s getting consumed in the parking lot before the big game tomorrow afternoon between the Bombers and the Riders. Now, after the game, I have a feeling there'll be a lot of people that will be hungry. They're going to need to get out into the city and probably try and take advantage of Burger Week. Uh, uh, first off, I have been stunned i keep going to instagram and i see the grind that you are on right now through burger week folks i'm not kidding i believe the latest count is 48 burgers so is that true and, <laughs> that and, and i guess how <laughs> how are you doing this of course i do share with friends along the way so i don't always eat the full burger because yeah that would be extremely difficult <laughs> But yeah, 48 stops. Last year, I did 48 in one week. So this year has been a little slower from my normal pace. Do you uh, do you just, I mean, like we always joke about Joey Chestnut eating the hot dogs in the, uh, in the contest <laughs> on the July 4th and that, you know, then doesn't eat hot dogs for a while. Um, do you have to just take a break from burgers for a little while after uh, the burger week is finished? Yeah, absolutely. I kind of joke that uh, smoothie week and salad week follows burger week every year because my body needs a little bit of change of pace after this for sure. <laughs> well, obviously we can't get through all 48, but um, let's talk about, let, first off, some of the best ones that you've had so far. Um, you know, you've got 48 of them. I know you've been ranking a top 10 and moving mm -hmm. people in. Um, you know, our good friend uh, Nick Ziff over at Nicolino's, I know, was up there. I saw Tommy's had a great one. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. give some people some of your best bets for uh, a great burger if people are only going to have one or two as opposed to four dozen. Yeah, absolutely. So my number one right now is definitely still Tommy's on Corridan. I tried that a couple days ago and it was absolutely fantastic. Nicolino's is number two, but they're not doing any burgers for the rest of Burger Week because they're going to be busy with Banjo Bowl. Um, some other really good ones. I really enjoyed Merchant Kitchen, King and Bannatine, Sibo uh, on Waterfront was really excellent. Um, yeah, there's there's been tons. Like honestly, this year I haven't been disappointed with too many. There was a lot more last year that let me down. <laughs> well, and, and you know what I mean. I think all the local restaurants have really stepped up their game, and and it has become such a big part of the local food scene that. I mean, I know you've talked to a lot of the, the chefs and the people at the restaurants behind mm -hmm. all of this. I mean, they don't just decide a week before what they're going to do. I mean, the work and the, the the preparation for this week, both from creating the burger as well as just planning to be able to handle the business is uh, is pretty staggering. Oh, 100%. And I know some some chefs will start Burger Week planning the moment this Burger Week ends for next year. And of course, with the whole labor shortage right now in the hospitality industry, I had a feeling that Burger Week would be extremely difficult for some establishments. But I've been really, really pleased with the level of service um, that I've received at all the restaurants I've been to. Everyone's knocking out of the park this week, for sure. Now, um, how did you start the, the Instagram page? Like, was this a Burger Week related thing? Or were you just... Uh big into burgers and it sort of took on a life of its own once we got to the La burger week <laughs> yeah so three years ago i um i was just filming videos for my close friends because i was going to a few different spots and then later on they're like you know what you should just make a public instagram because like other people could probably benefit from your videos so i said okay so that was last year and then it kind of just blew up i think i hit a thousand followers after the first day last year and then i've slowly grown so i'm almost at two thousand now 
But yeah, I get tons of DMs every day asking where to go and asking different questions about the burgers. But it's a lot of fun for me because I'm going to be eating them anyway. So I may as well give some positive publicity to some of these restaurants. Did you ever imagine that you would become the burger authority in the city of Winnipeg when you started that account? I absolutely did not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's talk about it. Give me some of the... I don't know if weird is the right word, but uh, a couple of the burgers that were just sort of far out, that were really creative, that uh, you were mm-hmm. like, holy smokes, how did you guys even think this one up? Mm, good question. Well, I know it seems to be a theme this year. There was a lot of restaurants that have added donuts to their burgers for some reason as the buns, uh, which at first didn't really know how I felt about that because I'm more of a typical classic burger kind of gal but um four crowns did an excellent chicken burger with their they did an apple fritter as the bun and then saint james did one with a cinnamon bun um and then you've got like the dessert ones from saucers so a lot of folks have been doing that um this year which i found super unique but yeah tommy still stays in my mind as the best burger because they're they're keeping it like you don't need to reinvent the wheel with these burgers you have a good patty a good bun you have a crunch element and you have the sauce they did all that but then everything else was just elevated on there the crazy thing about the Tommy's burger is, I mean, they had like, I don't even know how they did that, but basically it said Tommy's pizzeria right on the bun. Yeah. Like I a think branding I or something. Video today. Yeah. They've got like a little device that they've been branding on the buns, which is super cool. There it is. Look at Remus just bang it out. He's on it today, right <laughs> yeah. up there. So there it is with a oh, little it. Jets playoff gear. You got to watch those white shirts though. Did you, you must've, you must've got to go wait a second. I, I may this, not always recommend to go in the full white getup when you're tackling burger week. Yeah, no I mostly do that to be funny. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Dangerous, but uh, yeah. definitely. I, Kyra, um, what about non meat burgers? You mentioned that there was a chicken burger from, uh, from four crowns um have there been some neat ones that don't aren't the traditional uh beef burger yeah so there's been a few i think um if you go on the burger week website you can actually filter by chicken seafood and that sort of thing so i think there's about 12 chicken entries this year i've only tried two so far so i tried four crowns and then i also tried from q grill the peach gobbler that one was really unique had the nice fried chicken on there and it had sliced peaches and a really nice uh spicy peach mayo on it as well so i really like that And then the only seafood one I've tried was also from Q Grill, and it had a nice fried shrimp patty, and then had some kimchi on there, a bacon bun, super unique. So I like to mix in some of those for Burger Week, but I'm more of a Burger Week purist, and I like to stick with the beef and those kind of patties. (laughs) Did I hear correctly, was there like an ice cream burger from, uh, from one of the spots? Yeah, so saucers, I think, I don't know how many years in a row they've been doing this, but they were the only dessert burger for a while. And then this year, there's a couple more dessert ones, but saucers did a collaboration with uh, Chabon ice cream as well as O-Donuts. So it's a donut bun, and then everything inside of it is supposed to mimic some part of a burger. So it's like a chocolate pate brownie as the patty, and they've got matcha tea leaves as the lettuce, and they've got a strawberry jam as ketchup. So they, they really kept it looking like a burger, but it's completely dessert. Now, um, going into the weekend, I'm sure you're going to be back at the grind. I mean, have you set a personal goal? And by the way, how many more days are left in Burger Week? Because I know they expanded it. It goes through this week, right? Weekend. Yeah, it goes until the 14th. So that's until Tuesday. So still quite a few days left to get. So what? So what's the number? What's the? What, are you going to get up? Like, I mean, can we? Is 75? Is 80 oh possible? Do you have that in you? <laughs> no, I certainly don't. Uh, my goal going into the week was to do 50. Uh, so I'm basically almost there, but uh, I only have one plan for today because I'm going to be at Little Brown Jug at the patio party tonight. So I'll do a few more on the weekend and a couple more Monday, Tuesday, but I think I'll probably get to uh, maybe 
40 or 55, 60, probably in that range. Cause I am starting to feel it a little bit. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean that every time I see it, I mean like some of the days, I mean, you guys have been literally grinding. I mean, popping around, banging out one after the other and doing, I mean, the videos are phenomenal too. You get a chance to see it. So, I mean, if folks, if you haven't already toss a follow over at burgers.on.the dot brain. I think I got that right. <laughs> Remus has got it up in the chat uh, and it's great stuff. Here's one thing, and this actually isn't as much about the burger themselves, but um, as someone that spends a lot of time in bars and uh, restaurants, maybe more bars, but um, I, I the one really cool thing about La Burger Week is for people to get into it, they, you know, see a lot of new places that they maybe haven't mm-hmm. been to before. Um is there a few spots that you had never been to that the burgers have taken you there that uh, sort of cool that you might want to mention? Yeah, definitely. So I try to make a conscious effort to go to some places that I've never been to before. And uh, the one that's coming mind to most actually is Bistro on Notre Dame. I was there yesterday, so I posted my videos, but I haven't made the post yet. But I, I've driven by it a few times, but I've never been in there before. And it was so great. Like, I love the service in there. The menu is great. We got to look at their normal menu as well. So I'll definitely be going back to try it out. But they had a super unique burger. It had a bison patty. It had a really cool sauce on there and a homemade sourdough pretzel bun. It was just so good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that so that's definitely the one that comes to mind the most i know you did a trip out to uh to st james and uh you know i've got a lot of fr- friends in st james we joke that they mm-hmm. never you know pass route 90 unless there's a jets game or going on yeah. but uh uh fourth line pub looked like a, yes. a neat little spot as well i mean and that's sort of off the beaten path like way out on ness i passed mm-hmm. by it a number of times and i saw it lo and behold there and on burger week too yeah, that was really cool. And actually, we were sitting down about to film the video and someone walks in and he's like, Burgers on the Brain is here. This is so cool. <laughs> so I got recognized there, but we were chatting and I'll definitely be going back. Apparently, they do lots of cool events like open mic nights, bingo, that sort of thing. And and I love the burger. So I think I'll be going back there. But it is definitely off the beaten path when we were driving there. We're like, where are we going? <laughs> I'll tell you what, this has been so much fun. I can't give you enough credit. I mean, as a person like my burgers, since I was a tiny kid, have always been my favorite food. And I couldn't even imagine tackling what you are up to right now along with the crew at burgers on the brain um this has been so much fun thanks for doing this and uh we'll uh we'll hoist a 1919 at some point on the weekend get a burger and think about all the hard work that you are doing at burgers on the brain and uh of course all the best to everyone out at the party tonight at little brown jug uh we love the support it's been so great working with uh dustin yourself and the gang over there so uh enjoy it it should be a lot of fun obviously for a great cause and uh Maybe you can grab a burger after everything's done tonight. (laughs) Maybe. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Lots of fun. There's Kyra Fanning. Uh, She's with Little Brown Jug and does the Instagram page, Burgers on the Brain. Um, As I said, I don't think there's any better resource. If you're thinking about going to grab a burger or two, uh, go there first, check it out, give it a follow, and uh, you can make the decision as to where you go because I have a feeling you probably don't have time or the will to get into four dozen burgers and counting. That was great stuff. And uh, of course, Little Brown Jug tonight, uh, the big pride patio party that's going to get going in around 6.30 p.m. So um, great stuff uh, there from uh, from Kyra. Let's get Remus back in here. Remo, I mean, we've talked a lot about food on this program in the in the past, but I have to admit, I mean, my just jaw's been on the floor, the, uh, the amount of burgers and how great they look. Uh, but Kyra in particular is, uh, she's doing... God's work right now for burger lovers here in Winnipeg. Yeah, I know. Cause if people are asking what's the best burger, which one should I try? 
and um, it's all on her Instagram page, and she's fielding uh, DMs. I mean, she's tried all of them, so, I mean, that's an accomplishment in itself, but to document that and be a resource for Winnipeg, and uh, great, great for her. I wonder, like, is it only during the two weeks of the year, or is she covering Winnipeg burgers all year round? Because um, there are some good ones in the city. Oh, I should, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, should I check. Think, I gave her yeah, a follow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No, she'll throw stuff out. I just think that, you know, come the burger week, I mean, there's so many special burgers. It's sort of the, uh, it's almost like the playoffs, if you will. I mean, the regular season goes throughout <laughs> the year, but you got to step up with your with your A game come playoff time. So that was great. Everyone loving uh, Kyra on the program. Lots of great stuff. GM Carp, Bombers, NFL, and Burgers, a dream show for Hustler. That's That's pretty much right. Uh, and I will say this, Dream, I don't know, I mean, how we as citizens of Winnipeg can go to uh, nominating someone for a community service award, but I think Kyra's up there right now when you consider what they're doing for the burger lovers in Winnipeg. All of that work, all of those bergs, documenting it all, letting us see them all. Uh, it was uh, it was really fun. I'm glad we did that. Uh, and I guess we'll we'll probably have to get a, a final result from DQ Nick and uh, and Carter maybe uh, after the 14th for their final results. But um, it is pretty cool to see how many people get right into it and uh, basically are taking down a number of burgers every day, usually with friends splitting them, but just trying what all these great restaurants in Winnipeg have for uh, for a pretty fun week and a great, great week for the restaurant industry. Yeah, I was at a restaurant picking up a burger last week and they said 70% of their business was the Burger Week burger and I, I think, it, you know, a time where restaurants, you know, they've had to close, you know, as she said, trouble getting staff. It is, you know, bringing people in and bringing people to try restaurants maybe they wouldn't normally go to. And a couple that she mentioned in the conversation. So uh, I'm I still probably would like to hit one or two this weekend. And uh, nice to know that it's going until Tuesday. So there's still time. And we were just given the valuable cheat sheet of Burger Week. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I mean, and there's so many. I mean, that that's the one thing. I mean, this does go in a bunch of other cities, but I don't think there's any comparison to the buy-in and the amount of restaurants and people that participate in it here in Winnipeg. It sort of has taken over you know, on a life of its own. And it's cool that it's expanded to two weeks this year to give people the opportunity to go and check out some of them uh, and some new restaurants that they haven't seen before. I'm uh, going to give a plug to our friends over at BP that have three different ones um, over at the uh, BP Taylor, the BP on uh, Keniston, as well as the BP Henderson. Uh, but we'll be having a little different BP tonight. I, I don't think we're going to be going burgers, probably some pizza, probably some wings, definitely a few beers and uh, a great crew. So uh, I mentioned if you popped in a little bit later on tonight, we're going to do a live lock shop over at the Boston Pizza City Place. Myself and Remus will be there along with Dustin Nielsen who's in town of course from TSN to call tomorrow's Banjo Bowl and our pal Chris Abbott from Coolback coming out and uh, I'll bury Horowitz myself actually from the last lock shop now 4-0 with the picks after the Cowboys covering last night hopefully I can uh, get a couple more from the CFL, which we made earlier this week and uh, get a perfect show tonight though we're going to be talking NFL and making our first official picks. We got to nail it down to five for the Circa Million contest that uh, we've got a lock shop entry in. So uh, anyways, would love to see you down there tonight around seven o'clock. Oh, down at Boston Pizza City Place. Well, let's get to these cool bet lines, Remo. I mentioned it off the top of the program, touched on it with Ed Tate. I have no explanation for this. 
but I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to jump on it. The Bombers now are only a one-point favorite in the game tomorrow, and the money line is at minus 115. This is just about a pick and I have absolutely no idea why. Yeah, I agree with you, especially with the news today about um, the Rough Riders players being out on offense. I mean, you're missing Williams Lambert and Shaq Evans and a couple DBs on defense as well, including Ed Ganey. Um, that's, and you look at, well, sorry, this is the wrong game. Uh, you look at what happened last week. I mean, the Bombers made Fajardo look like, uh, you know, a regular average quarterback. And we know how good their defense is. They're going to have the home crowd behind them. And I would definitely lean Bombers here. And if you're looking for a play in fantasy, I mean, the Bombers defense also always a great play. So, uh, sure, you know, minus one, take take the Bombers. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I just at minus 115 to win the game, I'm just going that way right now. I mean, I don't think you can you can go wrong. Um, listen, Saskatchewan could win the game. I've been saying all week that you can really throw out the throw out the records, and uh, they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder after the Bombers beat them up pretty badly last weekend in Mosaic Stadium. But when you talk about the losses on the defensive side of the football and just how well the Bombers are playing right now, it makes absolutely no sense that this game is close to a pick especially after Saskatchewan was like a five-and-a-half-point favorite last week in their home game. So, uh, But as I said, we won't complain. We'll just jump on it. I'll be very interested to see how this line moves as we get closer to game time. I would think that it'll get closer to the three points where it was. Um, but again, I certainly wasn't expecting to come the other way. So that's where we are right now with the Bombers and Riders. Uh, the other CFL games on the weekend uh, are like this. Tonight's game, the Argos, a one and a half point favorite over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And, you know, that's a bizarre one too, Remo. That opened at Hamilton minus three and a half. So there's been some huge line movement in the favor of the Argos who got blasted last week by the Tabbies. Yeah, the how the lines have gone last week and this week, uh, very interesting. I think Brandon Banks is out for Hamilton, but Hamilton has gotten some players back on defense, which has helped, including Jared Davis. So uh, I'm not sure where to lean. I thought Nick Arbuckle looked really strong. I know they're getting Ricky Collins back, so they have a number of receivers. He seems to lock on to uh, Deveris Daniels. I mean, Eric Rogers was another acquisition from Calgary, and he really hasn't, hasn't done anything. Um, so I'm not sure where to lean I would probably go Toronto here but I'm not Hamilton hasn't looked like the team that we thought we thought that they would so I'm not sure but I'm not sure so I would maybe go with uh, Toronto here uh, taking it and uh, I'll I'll give a fantasy pick Jalen Acklin I think uh, Brandon Banks is out so he seems to would be a strong play for me yeah, Ty Cat's even money right now, plus 100 on the money line, or you can get him at minus 110 for uh, getting a point and a half. Uh, but, it, you know, it's really cool. I mean, these first three games, I mean, BC's an eight-point favorite over Ottawa. We expect that. But, I mean, one and a half, one and one in the first three games this week. And, of course, the Calgary-Edmonton game's fascinating. Calgary's a one-point underdog, kind of the same number as uh, as Hamilton, even money on the money line. Uh, and of course, it's the return of Bo Levi Mitchell. As we talked about with Ed Ream, this is an absolutely massive game for Calgary. I mean, I don't want to go so far to say it is a must win because obviously there's still lots of football left to play. But I'll tell you what, they get swept by Edmonton, fall to one and five, last place in the division. I don't think that there'll be a crossover right now, considering that Montreal, Toronto and Hamilton all look pretty good and they'll all get their wins against Ottawa. 
Um, their season in some ways is so, sort of on the line in against Edmonton. And uh, I'll be fascinated to uh, tune into that game after we finish up down at IG Field tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And Edmonton, they looked like the team we thought they would be last week against Calgary. I know Calgary's past defense has struggled. Trevor Harris throw for what, like close to 400 yards. I think it was like 398. Um, James Wilder, he's carrying the ball well. And, you know, they have uh, Walker, Ellingson, and been a bunch of other guys too uh, getting in on the action so watch out for the Edmonton offense as far as Calgary I mean Bo Levi Mitchell he's starting is he healthy how is he going to be I think that is a big question for them uh, Meyer I, he was solid but Bo I don't know if he heard footsteps us and he doesn't want to get uh, Wally pipped here and he's like get me in I don't care if my legs uh you know not totally healthy but obviously if he's in he's probably good to go but I think I like I like Edmonton here at home, even though they won last week. Calgary, they're not the same Calgary that they've been for the last decade. Uh, Blue Jays, uh, if you go to Coolbet, you can see the Jays to sweep Orioles is in the margin. Uh, five to one for the Jays to sweep this weekend series against Baltimore. Uh, I might jump on that just for fun. I mean, the game, the individual games, and let's just look at what the Jays are tonight. I mean, yeah, minus 278. So essentially you're parlaying parlaying big favorites um, through the games, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Big series for the Jays as they continue to try and keep this torrid pace they're on, uh, getting back right into the wildcard race. And who knows, by the end of this series, they could be in a wildcard spot and be one of the teams that uh, the other AL teams that are on the other side are chasing. Uh, Tomorrow, it's the big final. Layla Annie Fernandez going against Emma Raducanu. As we mentioned, this is the first time ever that two unseeded players have met in the final of a Grand Slam on either the men's or the women's side. And what the heck? We've been making money on Layla throughout the tournament as a big underdog. Um, Certainly nowhere near as big of an underdog as she's been in her last four matches. Uh, But still an underdog nonetheless. Plus 148 on Fernandez. Minus 159 on Raducanu. This is going to be must-see TV. Uh, Unfortunately, I think it's at the same time as the Banjo Bowl. So, as I mentioned, set your PVRs on a couple of the TSN stations for some incredible sport. But um, this is going to be just so phenomenal between these two incredible young women athletes. Uh, But I got to tell you, this whole country is pulling for the new darling of Canadian tennis. And that, of course, is Leo Fernandez. Yeah, we're all in on that. It's going to be multiple. You're getting multiple screens during the Banjo Bowl on Saturday and the other Canadian we can't forget about him Felix Oje Aliasim he's actually in action right now against Daniel Medvedev 3-3 in the first in the first set so you know after the show might as well uh pop pop that on and uh, enjoy the afternoon with the cold little brown jug no doubt about it uh so yeah 3-3 and Felix uh, Felix is plus 710 now uh on the live bets 4-3 for Medvedev I'm not sure whether there's been a break or not in but uh you know maybe want to get a little live bet in on that and then of course a full slate of NFL games that's what we'll be chopping up tonight on uh, the lock shop down at Boston Pizza if you're not able to come out check Twitter a little later on I'll obviously be retweeting it we'll broadcast it on Dustin Nielsen's Twitter account and if you haven't subscribed to the lock shop now's a good time to do it I was 4-0 on Tuesday I'm heating up heading into week one of the National Football League, and I'm 1-0 in the season after getting the Cowboys last night. Uh, But games that we'll really be focusing in on, Pittsburgh, six-and-a-half-point underdogs at the Bills. You've got the Jets with Zach Wilson making his first start against former Jet quarterback Sam Darnold with the Panthers. That's a four-point line in favor of the home Panthers. The Vikings are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Bengals in Joe Burrow's return. 
the Niners, I believe the biggest favorite on the board for the week. They're eight and a half point favorites on the road in Detroit. Dan Campbell's debut as the head coach of the Lions. No idea. What's the over-under on how many kneecaps get bitten off in the game tomorrow? Well, I guess yeah. we'll have to see. Uh, how about this, Remus? We talked about this with Hacksaw a little bit, but the Jags. The Jags are now three and a half point favorites on the road against the Texans. They were one in 15 last year with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, with a rookie quarterback. And uh, the Jags, like all I keep hearing is that you know we might want to take some of these uh, receivers on DraftKings. Um, who they got? Marvin Jones now. LaVishka. Uh, LaVishka Chenault Jr. That's the man. Everyone's favorite LaVishka. And uh, DJ Chark's still around there too. And I know James Robinson, Carlos Hyde splitting carries. So there could be some fantasy goodness on Jacksonville. As Houston has given up so many points for a while. I know their defense not great. And they're starting Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. So yeah, not it's not going to go go well this season for Houston. They do have a... Ooh, they still got David Johnson running the ball. Has remember him from the uh, Hopkins trade? It's amazing <laughs> to me how far uh, the Texans have fallen here the last couple of years. It, it really is stunning, and and you know they were already going in the wrong direction fast, but this whole business with the you know the the accusations on Deshaun Watson, yes, you know, completely paralyzed the franchise because they weren't even able to trade him and move on and get some first round picks and sort of start rebuilding. Um, there paralyzes the word right now for the Texans franchise. So we'll see what Herb and Trevor Lawrence can do in their debut. Um, Chiefs, Chiefs, Browns, uh, five and a half is the line for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at home. Um, you've got Mac Jones. I think it was a T Conopoli that's getting all fired up about Mac Jones in the chat. Uh, Mac Jones, three point favorite at home to Tua and the Dolphins. And that Packers-Saints game will be interesting. That's actually being played in Jacksonville uh, because of uh, still the damage from uh, the Hurricane Ida uh, that devastated New Orleans a couple weeks ago. be a little while before the Saints get back to their home. Uh, Bears, seven-and-a-half-point dogs at SoFi against the Rams. And the Monday nighter, the Baltimore Ravens, despite having no running packs, four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Raiders. All right, Reem, it's been a great week. You know what this means. It's Friday afternoon, and uh, our friends at Canadian Club have been putting together some great packages for us to give away to Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners. Uh, we've had the I Love Rye package for the last few weeks. Congratulations to Larry and Gitch and Leighton Janice, who I think won the first three. But today, we are going to the top shelf for today's marble race because we uh ran an instagram contest this week for it and thanks to everyone that uh, that got in and uh remo after going through it some amazing amazing responses to the question about the banjo bowl and the love of canadian club and uh well to celebrate the canadian club chronicles 42 year old whiskey that we've got 42 entrants for today's contest yeah it was uh I went through all the entries you and I did. We picked some of our favorite ones. A, a couple of really entertaining answers. Um, you know, people who put some thought into it and tagged a friend uh, were eligible to go in. And uh, I, we picked out 42 names and, you know, people joking about, uh, you know, the, you know, overconsumption, uh, hating the riders, enjoying uh, riders fans tears after uh, winning. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So I'm going to load this up. We'll get a nice track in here. 
I'll have to yeah, pick one. Do that. Uh, I'm just going to go grab it. I want to show it off before we give it away. Okay, Hustler's going to go. And uh, yeah, 42 names in. So this was a lot of fun. And if you're not following us on Instagram, instagram.com slash sports talk WPG. Uh, give us a follow there. Give us a follow on Facebook as well. All of it is a huge help help in growing the channel here. It doesn't cost you anything. And of course, Twitter. we got the most followers on Twitter, sports talk WPG. Are you making fun of my gamer chair? No, your gamer chair is sick. I wish I had a gamer chair. I'm on the floor. Uh, so we're working on that over here. So I got to respect uh, the gamer chair. I think that's awesome. I usually wasn't. I didn't use it because I thought that it would look sort of weird sticking out with the uh, with the no. screen. But it's actually been good. And uh, God knows I've been sitting in this damn thing so much this week between our show and the Calgary show. I mean, need mm. need a better obus form thing for my ass, to be honest with you, with the amount of time I've been uh, on it. But the weekend is here. We're going to get out of the chair. We'll be at BP tonight. Hopefully you can come and see us. And uh, here we go. So, Remo, let's see it. This is it. The Oh, here. I'll bring you up. Okay. Yeah, here. Canadian Club Chronicles 42. Beautiful, beautiful box. We're going to open that up here. We pull it out. Shout out to James and the gang over at Beam Suntory for their great support. This was, uh, we knew we had something, we wanted to do something special for the Banjo Bowl, and uh, we are doing that. Of course, Canadian Club will be flowing tomorrow at the game, uh, available throughout the stadium. Of course, they got the Jim Beam Stillhouse, the Brugal Ramahat. I know many of you will be in that area. I'm sure I'll see you around. Uh, but we're going to the top shelf today, folks. Here we are. Look at this beauty. There it is. The Chronicles 42. And I'm pretty sure the sticker price on this sucker is about three bills. So this is an incredible prize. Shout out to James for their support of the Bombers and, of course, their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. I now turn the festivities over to the CTO and commissioner of the WST Marble Race League, Michael Remus to get things going. Uh, what's the word, Remo? What, what what track are we doing today? I have this one. Uh, it's called Rusty Remnant. Uh, so this is a bit of a longer one. So we're going to have some suspense here. So I will fire it up. Um, do you want to like read all the entrants? People want to know if they're eligible or not. I don't. I don't know the best way to do that, but. Um, you know what? It'll be a mystery. There's 42 in. It'll the, we'll see them coming up. I'll call some of them out. Uh, but as I said, we had like 300 entries, so there was no way we'd get them all in. So we went with 42. Some of the best of them, certainly some familiar faces that are always supporting us. So uh, we've got we've got a lot of beauties in this one, folks. It is the uh, Friday Marble Race. We're stepping up from the, uh, and the I Love Rye packages have been great. I mean, I saw, I got a message from a couple of the guys that, that won, and they were uh, absolutely loving it. Uh, but this one, this is the Doc Man, the 42-year-aged Canadian Club Chronicles special whiskey. And uh, I've got a couple more coming out very soon, but they have not lasted long. There's still a couple bottles of these available in Manitoba, but that is about it. Obviously, an incredibly limited batch 
uh, because of the nature of uh, how they got these things. All right, Remo, let's uh, let's get her going. Friday afternoon, WST Marble Race, going to the top shelf with Canadian Club and the CC Chronicles 42-year-old whiskey. Let's do this. Oh, I like the start here. It's like a bit of a Plinko game. Yeah, we'll see who comes out first. They're going quick. Here they go. I'm going downstairs. Okay, who do we have here? You go, go top right. We'll have uh, who's in first. And hopefully you don't have any teleports. So this is getting pretty wild. We've got uh, Ty Riel and first Dr. Keating. Tracy, I see Tracy in there. Tracy O. Tracy O has, uh, is a, a WST mainstay. Wouldn't that be cool if Tracy was the big winner today? Ty Riel, Dr. Keating, Tracy O's in it. Uh, who else do we have here? Doug Wall, golfer Ken is in. I see Dustin Pernitsky. Tracy Owen first right now. This is a great course, Remo. This is and it good. is very tight. I mean, there it is literally. Uh, we see the Fox there. Avatar. We see Preichen girl. Stifa's in there. I know Stifa's a huge, huge rye guy. What else do we have here? Oh, little loop-de-loop. Oh, this is a great course. Fox named Ryan right now in first. S. Baltar 2 is up. Oh, S. Baltar, I think, has just gone into the lead. Tracy O. Oh, look at this. Everyone's meeting. This is one of the great, great matchups we've ever seen. Brad Clausen's in the mix. Freichen girls there. Richard Medeiros. Who's out first? P. Sambo. And Scoops. And Fox named Ryan. Okay, we do have... We've got an obstacle here. This is gonna. This could be the determining factor. If you get through this clean, oh no, no. Who's coming out? P. Sambo. Oh, P. Sambo negotiated the obstacle very, very well. He's got a little bit of a lead here, but he's slowing down a little bit. There are still more obstacles through this one. Sambo, though, in first place. Kapopop. There, Jay Duke, Cody Bergen is in the mix, but everyone is chasing P. Sample right now, who is in first place. Can he hold on down the stretch? Still lots of work to do, though. Uh, we're not quite at the finish line left. Oh, Kapop! Kapopop in first place. Sambo, Cody Bergen, Tyree L. right now, Jeff Duron. Oh, Kapopop just hit. Oh, there's <laughs> Cody Bergen's now in front. <laughs> Oh. P. Sambo got the shot. He got the shot. This is the, uh, that obviously is the route that you wanted to take. P. Sambo back in first place. Cody Bergen looking to see if he can catch up with P. Sambo. Andrew William, 44. Oh, and Greg Pesechnik is now in the mix. Let's see what happens. Tyrell in first. This is going to come right down to the end. Ty Riel, first place right now. Still a few more obstacles. What will happen? Oh, did we just have an elimination? There's, oh no, P. Sambo. P. Sambo. He, got, he got shot up way up into the air. P. Sambo is in first place. Can he do it? Coming to the finish line. P. Sambo is the winner. Ty Riel, Greg Pasechnik, Richard Medirik, Dr. Keating, Doug Wall. The bearded Hungarian. Wow, that was uh, that was an amazing race, Remo. I think that might be the best course we've done so far. Had a little bit of everything and a lot of drama for the big Banjo Bowl giveaway. Peace, Sambo. Way to go. Congratulations. That was uh, That was amazing.
E. Sambo. This was maybe my favorite entry in the whole thing. Uh, I The question was, you had to answer, what was your favorite, or what do you love about the Banjo Bowl? And he said, having to look up the score to see if the Bombers won the next day, even though I was at the game. <laughs> Thanks for the memories. <laughs> well, e. Sambo. Peace out. Was probably someone who's gonna enjoy uh, this prize package. Then uh, they've entered uh, on Instagram, so give us a follow uh, on there if you yeah. haven't already. Let me. Yeah, at Sports Talk WPG for all of our socials. Uh, certainly, we'll put out a lot of content on the Twitter feed. Remus does a great job of putting stuff up on Facebook, and uh, the Instagram is obviously quite fun as well. Great uh, model. So there you have it. The big prize, top shelf. P. Sambo winning it, the Canadian Club Chronicles 42-year-old whiskey. Uh, there's still a few available here in Winnipeg, and we'll let you know about the uh, about the next launch. Uh, I believe there's a 43 and a 44 coming up in the next couple of years. There you have the final results. Tyriel, uh, P. Sambo, though, a nice three-second win. 312 was the winning time. Craig Posesnik, third place. Richard Medeiros uh, going all the way down. Uh, man, what a great week it's been, and what a great weekend it is going to be. Uh, I-, I love finishing off Friday shows with the Marble Race Ream, and I can see everyone in the chat is loving it as well. Yeah, everyone, uh, that was very, uh, very intense there, and I'm just scrolling through all the names. I There were some people in chat, some people uh, you know, who found us on Instagram, so I went through all the answers, and... This was one of the ones that before I saw that, I was like, yeah, yeah, this guy, this guy knows what the banjo bowl is all, is all about. Uh, Larry, the sports guy just popped in. I think he cheated, LOL. I know you're referring to your incredible mystery win last week, Larry. Uh, by the way, Larry, if you're there, um, hit me up afterwards and we'll make arrangements uh, if you want after the show today or even downtown. If you're going to come by, I can get your prize ready for you as well. All right, folks. Well, that is just about going to do it for us. What an awesome, awesome day today. And uh, I hope we'll see you tonight. Uh, If you do have some time, pop by, have a cold one with us down at Boston Pizza City Place. Uh, We'll do our lock shop for probably half hour, 45 minutes around 7 o'clock p.m. And then uh, probably hang out, watch the rest of the CFL game. And uh, just be great to put some names to faces of people that are with us all the time. Remo will be there. Dustin Nielsen, Cool Bet Chris coming by. I'm sure Chris will have uh, maybe some nice Cool Bet merch or uh, maybe some bets to give away to people. Always love giving that away. Uh, but it was going to be a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, but we do want to thank everybody with us. Manitoba Battery, a Little Brown Jug, of course. Great having Kyra on the program today. Uh, Burgers on the Brain is the Instagram feed uh, where you can figure out what burger you want to go tackle for Burger Week. Of course, Royal Sports. Pop on down there before the game. Make sure you got your blue ready for the Banjo Bowl. Canadian Club. Shout out again to P. Sambo. Congratulations. Everyone else is very jealous of you right now. Uh, The Nick and Nicky DQ Group. Not Autocorp. Boston Pizza. See you there tonight. Assiniboia Downs. Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Folks, see you at the Banjo Bowl tomorrow. I'll be there. And then Sunday NFL, and we'll be back to discuss it all on Monday. Another few days closer to Winnipeg Jet Training Camp. We are just getting going after Labor Day here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being with us. And we'll see you Monday here on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. 
Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.